G'day, mate. Following podcast, make it ten adult language and abundance of salt. So get ready, nerds, because we're talking Mad Max. Welcome, everybody, and thank you for joining us on this episode of the Salty Nerd Podcast, where we do a super deep dive into all of the Mad Max movies. I'm joined, as always, by my fantastic panel of nerds. Matt Vader's here. What's up, dude? I'm here. Are you ready for me to talk shit about Thunderdome? You can talk all the shit you want. Mm, okay. You, you go, man. <laughs> Why would you talk shit about Thunderdome? You'll find out. Okay. Jude is also here. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for making me my guzzoline. You're welcome. The recipe will be on our Discord app. I love a challenge. It was, yeah, I was like, Jude, can you make me something called guzzoline? And, and I like, was like, fuck, fuck yeah. yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm not going to have that. I don't, know what it, I don't know what's in it, but it's good. Mm. Oh, you're going to be so wasted by the time this episode's over. <laughs> he's going to be giving him like self-administered sure. uh, sobriety tests in the kitchen again. Do <laughs> that the other week. I was like, is there a straight line I can follow? Oh, right here. He's actually going to turn into an Australian throughout the course of the podcast. Oh, I oh wish, God. man. Challenge Those guys accepted. fucking are so cool. Shout out to our Australian club members. Aaron, Gasso. What's up, guys? We've been watching a lot. Hosboy. We've been watching a lot of Aussie movies. <laughs> Aussies are dope. Yeah. They're good. I can't wait for freaking. And they're all, the funny thing about these Aussie movies, they're all kind of fucked up. Oh, they're real messed up. Yeah. yeah. They're called Ausploitation films. <laughs> Ausploitation yeah, films? Is that really what they're called? That, that, that's the genre. Is that our thing? I dig it. Dude, when you're on like a giant island surrounded by convicts, you, you just kind of go mad, yeah, dude. This, uh, it's funny because the first Mad Max movie was actually the movie that basically launched the Australian film market onto the world stage before Mad Max. Um, Basically, Australia was just making these like weird, arty, low budget films and it didn't have like a film industry. And George Miller came along and freaking blew it up with his uh, dystopian look at the future. And America was like, yeah, we want more of this. And it basically launched the Australian film business. Yeah. Amer America was like, as long as that's not our country, we want more of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fun facts with Matthew Kadish. Welcome, sir. How are you doing, man? Doing good. Excited to talk about these movies, uh, very influential films, and uh, highly uneven throughout the course of four of them. So uh, these movies are bonkers. Yeah, so, yeah. It's bananas. All right, guys, that's it. Mad Max. So get ready uh, for this wild freaking guzzoline fueled ride. Uh, we are going to be right back. We're gonna. I'm going to drink some more of this, and then we're going to get super deep into the first Mad Max movie. Oh, we could, we could fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, yes. real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit SixFlags.com slash Coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99. Money is the number one cause of stress and the number two cause of divorce. Make your money go further and work harder with a certified financial planner from Facet Wealth. Financial planning used to focus on retirement, but Facet helps you with today. You get a dedicated financial planner that guides you through every financial decision. Inflation, interest rates, stock market changes, home prices. How do you figure it all out? Well, every advisor at Facet is a certified financial planner and fiduciary. That's just a fancy way to say they have the best training, and they're legally bound to do what's in your best interest. This isn't just about investments. It's about taking care of your money so you can start living a better life today. Facet has a simple flat fee, no hidden charges, and with nothing to sell, there are no commissions. 
Visit TryFacetWealth.com for two months free off your first year of financial planning. That's T-R-Y-F-A-C-E-T Wealth.com. Facet Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. Oh, we could, we could fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit SixFlags.com slash Coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99. Welcome back, everybody. Hey, if you want to support the podcast and get four exclusive podcasts every single month, go to SaltyNerdClub.com. Join the club membership where a bunch of our Australian friends are hanging out. Shout out to Gasso, Houseboy, and Aaron from Down Under. Those guys are awesome. If you join the club, you can hang out with them, and you get exclusive access to a ton of extra content. And uh, our Discord app as well. You get special access to a couple chats in there. We have a ton of fun. Shout out to those guys. We love our club members. And uh, it's a great value. $5 gets you a lot. It goes a long way. So head over to saltynerdclub.com. Join the club membership. All right. The first movie on our list today is Mad Max, starring Mel freaking Gibson. Take it away, Jude. What is this movie all about? I'm going to tell you something. Mm, please. All of these were first watch for me. Nice. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. It was a lot. Welcome to the club. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I, I thought that Thunderdome was the first one. Mm-mm. So when he, uh, Kadish played the trailer for the first one, I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> he was like, it's Mad That's Max. Mad Max. And I the was original. like, are, are we watching that? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh shit, I better make a drink. <laughs> <laughs> 1979, Mad Max, rated R with a runtime of one hour, 28 minutes. This had a budget of $300,000. Yes, it did. What do you think this brought into the box office? I have no idea. No no clue. $2 million. Um, Six. Six million. $8.7 million. Nice. It's a blockbuster. Yeah. So an addendum to that. You're not wrong. <laughs> just, uh, you know, just saying that. So, like, its initial run, it had a very limited uh, American theatrical release, mm-hmm. and most of that money was made in Australia. But over the course of its lifetime, it's made over a hundred million dollars. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. It's a cult movie now. Oh yeah, and it's it's spun off into hugely successful movies. There's a, yeah. there's a a cult of people somewhere outside of Vegas that like dress up and do mad. No, dude, shit. they have a Wasteland Weekend here. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I'm talking about. It's a cult of people who go and yeah, play I, Mad Max. I want to join because that sounds like a blast. I have an old. Sounds cool in theory. I don't want to go. Oh, I do. <laughs> so I have an old ass freaking motorcycle in my garage that needs to be like grunged up a little mm-hmm. bit, put some spikes on it and go out there and hang out with those guys. Yeah. I'm down. Shout right. out to Wasteland Weekend. Yes. We need to go hang out with those yes, guys. Yes, we do. We should do a live podcast from there. I know. Oh, that would be great. With a big, like the dude for the guitar in the fourth movie with the mm-hmm. big speakers. Oh that would just be us mm-hmm. with flamethrowers. Every time they showed that dude on the guitar, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> the drummers. <laughs> we got to go back to the first movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the first movie. Good. All right, sir. Dude, take it away. <laughs> In a couple of years, Australia turns into a real shithole, and the streets are covered in hooligans running amok and looting gasoline. Max is a cop who's got it all. A wife he can't say I love you to, a son somebody named Sprog, and a sweet V8 engine to run down evildoers. Too bad he was driving his family wagon with the shitty fan belt when the toe cutter gang ran his family down. Now the only thing Max has to live for 
is revenge. Yes. <laughs> is that it? Yeah. That's a wonderful that's, synopsis. That's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. This movie is very simple. It is. Uh, yes. uh, but I will, I, I'm going to have to admit this and I'm going to get some hate in the comments. I had no clue what the fuck was going on for at least 45 minutes. It's, it's a weird for movie. Sure. It was, I was like, I don't know what's happening, but there's a lot of car crashes. Everyone okay, this is cool. Everyone has a bonkers name. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? Oh, it's Toe Cutter. Oh, like, why do you think that is an intimidating name for a gang? The Toe Cutter. He's going to cut my toe? So, so here's the thing. is, is Like, like your walk gets fucking fucked up if they cut your toes off. No, no this movie is very steeped in kind of like Australian culture. And in Australian culture, toe cutter was like a, a term that they use for internal affairs people oh. in, in the police station. And so like it was basically like a, a, another term for cop killer in, mm. in that sense. And, and so like when they named the character toe cutter, they were implying that this is the, the cop killer. Like, yeah, I, I like was so confused. The first 45 minutes of this movie is so bonkers. Like there's a couple car chases. There's like some kind of a sleazy lawyer involved at some point. I was like, like are these all the same gang or are there factions like, of yeah. different gangs? The cop uniform is just like leather mm -hmm. and a blue shirt. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, oh all right. The cop <laughs> uniform is the car. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing I've always, I've never been able to quite figure out with any of these movies is how far after the apocalypse are are, are, are we? It's um, we, you, you know because obviously the the further along we go, the farther well, this, we yeah. are after. I yeah. don't but think we are in full apocalypse yet. Not I in think this it's first just movie. getting back. Yeah, yeah, one of the things I liked about this movie is like they don't say like in the year 1999 or right. something yeah. like that. They're, it, it, they're it, just like a few years from now. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they say in the not too distant future. Mm -hmm. um, but basically, George Miller, the reason that he set the movie in a post apocalypse is because they didn't have the budget to actually get nice sets. Mm -hmm. So like they were forced makes sense. They yeah. were forced to shoot at places that were like really run down Just on, and a, stuff. on a highway. Yeah. They're like, nobody's coming. Let's go. Well, there's <laughs> like, oh, oh, no, they shot this whole thing like without permits. Like it, it was kind of funny because like <laughs> yes. they, 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 they would, they would shut down uh, stretches of road so that they could shoot this stuff. Yeah. And whenever the police came by, they'd have to like, like hide what they were doing. Real quick. <laughs> and, and eventually the police caught on to what they were doing. They're like, uh, Hey, you, you, you guys shooting a movie? <laughs> they're like, yeah. And they're like, oh, okay. Can, can we help? <laughs> and so the, like the police eventually like became friends with the production and they would like help them like redirect traffic. Oh my God. Stuff. I love stories like that. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. That's awesome. Australian police are like, oh, right on my, let's just get, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you guys in your stupid fucking Australian accents. Hey, the, my the, God. The, the question, the, the stories behind the making of this movie are absolutely bonkers because like, Keep in mind, in 1979, like there were no like safety standards mm -hmm. for any of this stuff. Like this wasn't oh. a professional crew with like union people and experienced people. So they were just kind of making it up as they went along. Like most of the people in this movie got paid with beer. That's fine. Because that's, they, were, they were like extras. That's the most These Australian. These are my people. Yeah, that's the most Australian thing I've ever heard. That's amazing. I express everything with alcohol. <laughs> you bought a house? Alcohol. <laughs> I, I mean, the cinematographer for this movie told a story about how like he was on the back of like a motorcycle with the camera you know, driving, uh, you know, filming a, a scene next to like Mel Gibson driving the car. And the entire time he was filming that, he's like, I was pretty sure I was going to die, yep. you mm -hmm. know, because, because they, they were just like shooting it like so fast and loose. And, oh, and dude, you guys know how much I love stunt workers, people yeah. who do that kind of stuff. Like this movie, I was watching this and I'm like, that dude didn't have any safety equipment on. Nope. He just was like, what do you want me to do? Oh, fly off the motorcycle head first. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Flip yeah, around a couple good. of times. Yeah. There was this one, there was one stunt where this motorcycle it was like, a, it was like, I think it was when Mad Max came up behind this gang and like smashed through them and they all kind of fell off. There's this one guy who fell and then his bike slid behind him and hit him in the back of the head oh, God. and it's all on camera. And I'm like, 
I think that guy got hurt. <laughs> no, yeah, mate, we're using that. <laughs> Mad Max movies have a long history of like stunts going horribly wrong and then using them in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but but uh, the. <laughs> was it the first one where the guy like flew in the air and flipped around? No, no, a bunch that of was times? the second one. That's the next one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But in, in this one, so like for instance, at the beginning when uh, basically the Knight Rider kind of mows into this like blue van that they did is they they removed the engine from it so mm-hmm. it was just like kind of a husk of a, of a shell so that it was easier for them to kind of push into like the the uh the road for the and originally the car was just supposed to like hit it and it was gonna like you know you know kind of push it out of the way push it out of the way and keep going <laughs> this thing but because because the engine was missing it was it was missing the weight to keep it grounded and so it went spinning like a like a freaking yeah. top and everyone was like holy shit i'm watching this movie are you getting that you got that right <laughs> we were only, yeah, i was watching this movie and that exact scene popped up and it's fairly early you know in the movies like during that main uh opening chase scene and i remember watching it and i'm like that van went freaking flying. Like how fast were they going to smash into that thing? Fast. It literally just like tumbles like a top and flies off the road. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, the funniest thing was, so like there's a scene where the Knight Rider basically like drives his car into like a tank and like this, there's a spectacular explosion. Right. Mm. And originally uh, when they were getting ready to shoot it, they strapped like a, a rocket to the car to drive it into this thing to get the explosion, right? So like no one was in the car. They just had this rocket and they ignited the rocket to shoot the car into the, the, the thing to get the explosion. So they were all set up to do it and the rocket ignited and immediately the car like veered off its path and like they, they had to like run away from the car until the rocket extinguished itself and then they're like okay maybe we shouldn't do that late 70s early 80s were a wild ride oh yeah there was- especially in australia so the funny thing about this movie is that uh, george miller the writer and director of the film. So he was a emergency room um, doctor, basically. So like when people came in from, you know, in need of like emergency surgery and stuff like that, he was the guy who did it. In fact, that's how he financed this film was by taking his salary as an emergency room doctor and just like putting it towards this uh, this movie. But he saw so many like horrific, uh, like car accident injuries. From the set of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that like, that's what initially inspired him to make this movie. So initially Mad Max was about a, um, like a post-apocalyptic earth in the sense that like, you know, um, gasoline had oil had kind of dried up and and gasoline was like, you know, uh, um, hard to come by. And so people were getting in all these horrific car accidents. And the character of Max was a journalist who was like traveling around and witnessing all these horrific car crashes and stuff like that. And slowly going insane because of all like the tragedy that he was seeing and hence Mad Max. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he brought on some co-writers to help him develop the movie, they were like, yeah, that's kind of a downer, mate. Let's make it more of an <laughs> exciting thing. And so they turned him into a cop who hey, chases- a tough cop. Yeah, <laughs> they, they turned him into a cop that chases down like, you know, like these, uh, you know, these hooligans. And it was um, one of those things where they just kept the name of the movie because they were like, well, it rhymes. That's a good, yeah, yeah, that's a good damn freaking name. So let's break down the story real quick. Because this is, I think, honestly, this movie and its story is, it's actually a tragedy. Yeah. Like, it's not a happy-go-lucky movie. It's not an action 80s movie like we're used to with, like, Sylvester Stallone where there's, like, a happy ending at the end. Yeah. This is a tragedy. Yeah, shit's going bad. Yeah, so Max is a a, a cop that lives on the edge of freaking wherever the hell. Nowhere. Nowhere. And he's he's got a great house <laughs> he's got a really nice house yeah. and he's got a wife and a kid and it's funny because like you're you're watching this movie and he's he's a cop every all the other cops kind of look up to him he's like the exceptional one he's the one who's really he's surprisingly their, good he's at their his best, job uh, they're like, oh, their, best, 
We're going to give you a special car. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, yeah, yeah, he's their best interceptor, and and they keep they're, they're constantly afraid that he's going to quit the force, and so they keep trying to bribe him with like better cars yeah. to mm-hmm. keep him around. Well, well, he is he is quitting the force. Well, that's well, what well, not quite yet. He's yeah, he goes through this whole thing like after the first opening chase scene, which again I I had, had no idea what was going on in this movie for the first half, but. He's going through this chase scene. He finally, he's getting like a little loopy. He's getting a little crazy. He feels like, you know, I'm enjoying this too much. It's one of the reasons why he's like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm liking this, this carnage way too much. I need to get away from it. He goes to his, his sergeant or his boss, whatever, the top Fifi. cop. And his name's Fifi. Yeah, Fifi. He shows up at this dude's place. The dude's just wearing leather chaps and a necktie made out of a black scarf with no shirt while he's watering his plants. And he's yeah. got this giant mustache. And Max is like, hey, man, I got to quit. Man. It's Australia. <laughs> so I'm like, I just I couldn't help but watch this. And I'm like, what is that dude wearing? This whole movie, I was like, what the f- Fuck. Yeah, yeah. The, the fashion choices throughout all the Mad Max movies are kind of questionable. Oh, that's what the makes next them one, great. The that's next one, great. Don't even get me started on the freaking Road Warrior movie, dude. Also, this what is, is your problem? This is such a play, like a movie in this frame of time because like throughout the movie it's established that he has a wife and a child and throughout the movie like he and his wife are just going places and i'm like what the fuck is their kid and then they just show the kid like in the back of the yeah, station wagon in the back hanging yeah, out yeah they're like well, having why else would he be? A, a full like day at the beach and then a picnic and then they're making love and then like it's a full day and i was like what the hell did they give the kid to like the auntie or yeah. something is somebody else watching the kid nope Kids is just in the back of the car. He's fine. He's in the, he's <laughs> in the fucking trunk. He's and, fine. And that car has, has like the weird like window murals of like space exploration. Oh, yeah. oh my god! Oh, they're, they're shagging wagons. The dope. I love that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so he he comes to terms with he's like, I gotta quit the force. I'm liking this carnage too much. I feel like I'm going crazy. So he tells his boss he leaves. His boss bribes him again. He's like, dude, just I'll tell you what, man, take a vacation. Yeah. Grow go a, grow a beard. Yeah. And then when great you, advice, when you come back, we'll talk about it. Yeah. He's like, just take a couple weeks and grow a beard. Like, yeah. I love that. That was the thing. Uh-huh. Go grow a beard, dude. You're good. I <laughs> want to bring that back. Yeah, for sure. You know so, what you need. You need to grow a beard. You need to grow a beard. Yeah. Yeah. That's the it's thing. It's going to change your whole perspective. It, it does. Will. It's, it's going to change how people see you and mm-hmm. it's going to change how you see the world. So anyway, so he goes to his boss. I the outfit that his boss is wearing just blew my mind. I couldn't take my eyes off it. I was just like, "What? What is happening right that's now?" That's how you should have freaking leather like, chaps. That's how you should have came into work today. <laughs> leather chaps and no shirt. Yeah. Okay. That would have been hilarious. It's like, oh, like he's cosplaying. <laughs> Let me go get my he's, gym suit. He's playing because I have leather pants at home that I'm just gonna throw. You know, on we do have a Comic Con coming up in a couple months. You could cosplay as Fifi. I would rather cosplay as Mad Max. Well, no, I'm gonna be Fat Max. And you could be Fifi. <laughs> Anyway, so he quits. He goes on a nice little vacation with his family. I love those scenes where he's with his wife, he's with his kids. Well, uh, he's, you forgot to mention, so like his best friend on the force, Goose, oh, yeah, yeah. is a motorcycle cop. And he gets in a really bad car accident because of the toe cutter gang and gets set on fire. I can't take oh. the toe cutter gang and, seriously. And, and so like he's, he's got third degree burns all over his body. And when Max sees him, it freaks him out. And that's what yeah. the impetus for him wanting to, that's to right. quit. Yeah, that was a dark scene too, where he's like the toe cutter gang goes in like literally just lights the dude on fire do i didn't you, think he would survive do you think that these characters were the inspiration for top gun yes okay 100 goose is goose from top gun yes absolutely yeah I agree. and it's kind of interesting because you know george miller's style like he he's very much where like he implies a lot of stuff where he doesn't explicitly show it to you and it's one of those weird mandela effects where like a lot of people think that the mad max movies are like hyper violent 
even though like he doesn't really show a lot of the violence mostly mm-hmm. because in the first one he couldn't afford to but mm-hmm. like in, in subsequent ones he like kind of cuts away before like something yeah. violent happens and uh, it leaves it to your imagination to f- kind of like fill in the lines yeah. and max doesn't like willy-nilly murder people he mostly just punches them yeah. but but there's there's a scene in this movie where basically the toe cutter gang rolls into this town after uh the uh night rider is kind of like boxed up and he's being shipped off to be buried and they want to intercept his coffin and during the scene there's like a local like like boy and girl who have like really nice car mm-hmm. and they try to you know sneak out of town in order to get away from the gang and the gang sees the car and they're like oh that's a nice car and let's so, go yeah, destroy it yeah, yeah. So, so like they they run God damn it car yeah. i want you they, they, they run it down and then like um the next thing we see is basically Max and Goose are alerted to like this is going on. So they go to try to, uh, you know, intercept the gang. And when they get there, there's this guy with like, you know, just bare ass, like running through a field. Yeah. And it's implied that like the gang raped the dude as well as the mm-hmm. girl. Mm-hmm. And the kind of like, I want to say like henchman, I guess, of, of Toe Cutter. His name is Johnny the Boy. And he's like just this kind of dude who was like sitting there and like he had just raped either like the, the guy or the girl, but he was just kind of like, I'm spent. I'm just going to chill out here. Mm-hmm. And that's when they arrest him and Goose um, sees what he did to like this girl who's like basically despondent. And so like he gets really obsessed with making sure that this guy pays for what he did. And so Johnny the Boy, when he goes to like the police station, um, his lawyers come and basically no one shows up to testify against them because they're so afraid of the Toe Cutter gang. Mm-hmm. And so he gets let loose and Goose loses his shit and starts attacking him. And then Goose gets suspended and Johnny the boy wants to get revenge on him for, you know, um, arresting him and, and beating him up. And so uh, Toe Cutter, uh, basically like they sabotage his his car and uh, get him in a wreck. And then Toe Cutter makes Johnny the boy burn him alive. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it's, it's, so also, it's also kind of implied that uh, Toe Cutter and Johnny the boy are like uh, like a homosexual couple. <laughs> and 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 that's why like uh toe cutter shows him so much favorability even though he's so obviously a fuck up um so like i never i didn't get that at all yeah yeah it, it, it's very there's subtle a there's a it's very subtle hmm. um <clears throat> so well, i'm following max like that that makes sense now but i'm i can see the scenes in my head and at the time i'm like i have no idea what's going on yes yeah, but, <laughs> but having you explain it to me kind of like, okay yeah i can see where i can yeah. see the steps and, and in this first movie basically like there's no nuclear war yet what happens is, is that society is deteriorating because of the lack of fossil fuels, mm-hmm. because um, basically they're running out of gasoline is, is essentially the thing. And so these roving bands of motorcyclists and um, kind of like road thugs or like whatever. Warriors, yeah, if like, you will. Yeah. So like their whole thing is like they don't want to give up their gas guzzlers. And so they're running around trying to confiscate as much gasoline and, and automobiles as possible because they want to hoard it and, yeah. and make it last as long as it possibly can. And that's negatively affecting just like the normal people. And as society is collapsing, basically the, the police are under more and more stress to try and do something about it, but they're kind of like pigeon toed because like they can't do anything well, about it. The police are pretty much useless at this yeah. point in society. The, 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 the the gangs the street gangs the toe cutter gang and people like them they're they're basically taking over society at this point this is this is an anarchy anarchy society mm-hmm. the, the cops have no fucking yeah this well, is rule this is, this is really to do anything the society is corrupt and it's just you know they, they do what they they do and that's and that's why max is is frustrated and he's done with it because it, it his their their world is over yeah, it's done this it, movie is the death knell of civilization yes. basically so you know it's about it's it's about anarchy taking over society and that's yeah. that's basically the over 
the over encompassing story of this thing. It's how society crumbles and destroys you know, yeah. itself. And you and know, while, while Max is off with his family, he's kind of like minding his own business. Uh, this, this biker gang shows up and starts mm -hmm. terrorizing his family. Yeah. And it's a, it was a weird like sequence of events where they were, I think his wife was at the beach is where well, she's, they, they go to the little resort town. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you know, it was it was just strange to me because I'm watching this movie and she's like at the beach and then she realizes that it's she's alone it's dangerous they're coming after her so she starts running and then she she's takes in a little nappy poo she's in like mm -hmm. the forest at like at some point so what happened was when when she went down to like the beach to get like her kid an ice cream the toe cutter gang was like sleeping on the beach and they see this like attractive single woman down there and they're like oh let's go rape that bitch or like whatever <laughs> mm -hmm. so they start harassing her and she in order to get away she like uh, knees toe cutter in the groin mm -hmm. and then when she's driving away one of them like uh, throws a chain on her car and she takes off so quickly that it literally rips his arm off mm -hmm. because like his arm the chain was wrapped around his arm and so the toe cutter gang looks at that like that that woman just you know messed up one of our own we have to go get her and so they follow her to this like farm where like her and Max are kind of laying low and then they start like, in their fan belt and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And so they, they start trying to like, you, you know, harass her again. And in doing so they run her over along with like her, her baby. Yeah. Um, and it, basically like both of them die and Matt and Max, you know, uh, his world is shattered. Yeah. And he basically becomes the thing that he feared in the beginning where like he loses all of his humanity and he just goes off and, and, goes to get revenge he puts his leather boots back on i love it when he he, he pulls the box out yeah that's that's the moment right yeah, that's the, done, john, he, the john wick moment that we kind of see these days where he's like i like that comparison yeah like he goes you know what i, I put this thing away i don't want to do it anymore but then you know the, the tragedy of losing his entire family and he's like all right that's it mm -hmm. this yeah. is this is who he's i got am nothing else yeah and he well, goes, he's, he's not a cop anymore at that point. Now he's no, just, he's, now, well, he's, now he's now he's now he's a, a road warrior. Well, he's a vigilante. He's, yeah. he's out for revenge. Well, now. he goes and, and gets that badass freaking black car that they oh, built for him, yeah. and he's like, "This is it. This is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to get revenge." And they even special pursuit. They even his call in, him out. Yeah. If you listen to the radio chatter uh, while he's out, they're like, "We have a rogue cop on the run. He stole some equipment. He's out there doing things he's not supposed to be doing." And it's just Max, and he's just like freaking on the kill these guys yeah and it's kind of funny because when you contrast him with the two cops that we see at the beginning of the movie where they like keep, keep fucking up their car and like, they, they can't even like just continue the pursuit. yeah <laughs> uh, you, you know max is so much more better at at you know kind of like yeah doing things he's actually better without goose yeah. <laughs> a little bit yeah well he's more he's he's not reserved anymore yeah like i think when he was yeah. with goose he was still trying to follow those rules now that he's just on his own. What, what the inhibitions are rules? gone. Yeah, there's a couple there's of rules. There's no rules. There's some etiquette mm -hmm. that they had to follow. Where we're going, we don't need these rules. rules. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was just the like... Rules, he just, the rules were to stop these people no matter what. In mm. fact, I probably think they probably preferred not to have to bring him in to see a judge at this point. Because Maybe. they're all pieces of shit. Maybe. Just be done with it. But them. he goes off on him. Uh, yeah. I love it when he pulls out that car. I don't even know what type of freaking car it is, yeah. but it's dope. That's such a moment. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's also a scene in this movie where Max gets shot in the leg. Oh, yeah. He and, gets jacked up and, in this movie. And um, it's kind of funny because in in all the the movies that come after this one, Max has this like leg brace. Mm -hmm. And so like they carry over the fact that he got shot from movie to movie. But like they play it so fast and loose with all the other continuity. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, that, that's, that's a weird. Choice. It's a weird thing that they have like, to go like with. Even that. Tom Hardy's Mad Max has, has like a leg, leg brace, brace on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was that was kind of cool for me because I was watching this and I'm like, you, it could very easily have been like he just goes on revenge and he just murders everybody. And he's so good at what he does mm -hmm. that nobody can touch him. But they they 
He's not a Gary Stu. He no, gets freaking no, jacked up. You know, you know, I love a movie that's like an action movie or like a post-apocalyptic movie or dystopia movie that like you have it, you, your hero that's not invulnerable. It really irritates me when you have like a movie like this that it's like full of action. The hero Never is just hurt. like impervious. Yeah. But like having your main character and your your hero in the story who gets fucked up along the way, it just it, it makes you invest so much more yeah. because like you're like, oh, shit about it. Yeah. Whereas like other movies that were like um, uh, gunpowder milkshake where like mm. nothing fucking happened to her the whole time. You were like, this is fucking boring. <laughs> yeah, I'm not believing it. But like movies like this where like your main character actually gets fucked up along the way. It yeah. just, it, it gives you a personal state. And then even it. though he gets jacked up, he just freaking wraps that sucker up and he, yeah. just, he like crawls yeah. his way back to his car. He goes off and he just continues his mission. Yeah. You know, you know, the thing that I noticed about this movie, I didn't watch this movie in a few years, probably been at least a decade since I've watched this movie. Um, I had forgotten how much setup there was for the last 10 minutes. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's a slow burn. Th this whole movie is set up for the last ten minutes of this movie because Mel Gibson's family doesn't die until it's there's like about until there's 15 about fifteen minutes. minutes left of this thing, and yep. then the rest of it's just him. Yeah, you know, going off, going off, and finding these guys, and it's very <laughs> quick. So and you're like, damn, uh, I love. I, I this is probably kind of psycho of me, but I love the way he takes out that lawyer, dude. <laughs> Where he find he like freaking handcuffs his ankle to a burning truck and then yeah, yeah. like like just leaves the match there, walks away. It's like, this is that, this, is that the original that's, like that walk the, away from an explosion character? Yeah, maybe I'm I'm not sure about that because that's a trope now. But, but I, this is 1979. I don't know if that's ever happened. Before. And that was what um, I I just want to put this movie in a little bit of context uh, for the time in which it was made. Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons that this movie got the attention that it did and kind of like brought the Australian film market um, to you know, the masses is because when this movie came out, nobody had this type of visceral visual style. Like, even though this movie is kind of slow, the parts where like the, the, the car chases and the car wrecks and all this other stuff, like nobody was doing that type of thing around this time. Like the, the, the two biggest car chases you could point to before Mad Max came out was, um, Steve McQueen's bullet mm -hmm. in the sixties. And then there was the French connection in the early seventies. Mm -hmm. And those were like the, the two car chases in films that like people just like lost their minds over mm -hmm. but car chases were really hard to do before the age of you know cgi in the sense that like there were a lot of safety issues there were uh, logistic issues <laughs> australia was like fuck it we're doing it <laughs> well, well that was the thing it is like the because this uh, movie was made so fast and loose like like no regulation no safety standards nothing like that they were able to do some like truly spectacular like wrecks and and, and really crazy like you know um car chase stunt work and stuff that, like that you know moving forward they were like we should not do that well, anymore well, well yeah so, so like basically like george miller's kind of like you know almost music video style like yeah. edit, editing where like it was quick cuts it was mm -hmm. like like super like the camera was always moving like there was all it was so visceral that it put everything else that was coming out of hollywood to shame in terms of like what they were doing with the action in this movie mm -hmm. and that's the thing that caught like the attention of Spielberg and all this other stuff. And at the time, Mel Gibson, this was like his first movie. Yeah. And, and he got the part because uh, the actor who played Goose uh, was his roommate. And he was cast because like he knew how to ride a motorcycle. It wasn't for his acting ability. And so he was like, hey, you got pop from my mate here, Mel. <laughs> and uh, Mel was actually, he was, he was a U.S. citizen, but he grew up in, in Melbourne, I think. Mm -hmm. and, and so like he had the accent and stuff. And when he came into audition for the part, they were like, yeah, yeah, this guy looks like a leading man. And so like, this was the thing that kind of 
launched Mel Gibson on the scene. I think he got paid like 10 grand. He's so freaking cool in this movie, mm-hmm. though. Yeah. So cool. Way to introduce him. Man. I know, right? What were you going to say? You, uh, you had something I, going on. I, I don't remember. Um, okay. I, but, you know, I have been thinking about this movie. I love how it's. I love the low budgetness of it. Mm-hmm. Usually you don't. It's, I, I normally don't. But, man, this I feel like this is like. A, a gorilla made movie. You know, it, I don't, it really was. It, it was yeah, it kind of was. And, yeah. You know, I know we, I will, we've watched a lot of really crappy, shitty, low budget movies in the last <laughs> couple of years. Excuse me. <laughs> but for some reason, this one resonates with me a little bit more. And, you know, I, I discovered this movie after The Road Warrior. I, like, I okay. think, like most people my age did, we didn't even know this thing existed until after the, the second movie yeah. came out. Because that was more of a, box office commercial second one was dumb. Thing, i can't wait to you talk know, about whereas that. this movie is more of a more it was almost like an underground kind of thing back then so and yeah you, you want to know like it, you how know I, I remember i had to watch this movie it was probably on vhs tape i, I probably saw it at the how i think of this movie is um very similar to how i see el mariachi like you yeah. I, I i watched desperado first okay. and i was like Desperado's freaking dope yes that's road warrior yeah. And yes. then I went back and I was like, what is this low budget movie that like El Mariachi? I've never heard of this before. That's Mad Max. Yeah. To I me. feel like watching all of these for the first time in one week, it was like I could see the progression and it feels mm-hmm. like the first movie is like the first draft. Mm-hmm. And then the second movie, they were like, OK, now we have a budget and we know what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. So this is the second draft. And then the third movie, they were like. Well, it's the fucking eighties. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, and then uh, Fury Road. They were like, "Okay, here's a story that's yeah. cohesive <laughs> in this universe." And you're like, "Oh, this is what they wanted what to do." What the first Mad Max yeah. should have been. <laughs> yeah. well, well, you know how low budget and gorilla this first Mad Max movie was. Is so like when they finished shooting it, and again they had to shoot. Entirely without permits, without safety standards, without unions. They had to run away from the cops to keep from getting shut down and stuff like that. Until the cops got on board. Until the cops got on board. (laughs) And uh, they were paying people in beer. And then, like, when the movie was all shot, they're like, oh, uh, what what do we do with it now? (laughs) And, And so, like, they started editing it at this guy's house. And they didn't have any like actual film editing equipment, so they had to build it themselves. Oh, that's so in rebel! Order to, in order to, to actually like edit the movie, that. that's <laughs> so freaking dope, dude. It's like I love these Australian people who make these movies like this. I'm, I'm like, I'm, my brain's immediately going to the Wormwood. Wormwood. Yeah, Wormwood Apocalypse. It's like, man, yeah. that's a dope fucking movie. Hey, yeah, but um, it was so underground guerrilla style filmmaking. It was just, I love it. It's I just, should have looked it up, and I and I didn't. I kept telling myself to, and I just didn't. But what was that movie that we watched? For the show, I want to. We we had Tom with us. I don't think maybe one of you were here or something. And it was like post apocalyptic, and they were like the weird like Elvis. Oh, Six String Samurai. That's it. That is the the movie I kept thinking about every time I was like Mm -hmm. when I was watching this, and I kept getting flashbacks to this, and I was like, I'm getting such like Six String uh, Samurai vibes off of this. It it had that energy. But but if you think about like how crazy the editing in in this movie Mm -hmm. is, like like super like quick cuts like that there's scenes like when the night rider like you know kind of wipes out his car at the beginning there are a couple frames of like his eyes bugging out of his head like right <laughs> oh, before the yeah. explosion happens yeah. and those those cuts are so quick and they were doing that on like homemade turntables like like sitting there looking at the film and like you know like splicing it together with tape and shit that's mm-hmm. so dope dude. Like, I, I love that's these awesome. i love these kind of movies you know i mean I, I don't like a lot of these kind of movies also but but 
meeting, you know, starting doing the show, meeting Kadish and everybody and some other people that we've met. I, I always wonder how they watch these kind of movies, wondering how how it was made, how they did some of these wild yeah. and crazy things back then, you know, mm -hmm. when they, they didn't have the special effects budgets. And it was just like, like what's the word? Gonzo filmmaking, yeah. kind of guerrilla filmmaking, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's just it would be. It's interesting. I, I don't know. Is there like a documentary about these that I, I haven't seen? Or anything? Th th there might. I think that there was something that they did for Fury Road that kind of covers a little yeah. bit of this stuff. But most of it's from like interviews and uh, and commentaries right. and things of that nature. But um, it, it's it, it it was like a completely different era of filmmaking that a lot of people like kind of don't realize. Um, you know, the context of watching these movies because mm -hmm. like you know nowadays in 2022 we watch a movie like this and we're just like okay like I'm. I'm thinking like, oh, this was made when CGI was, you know, a, a thing and like, you know, safety standards were a thing and they plot plan this stuff out. And it's just like, nope, this was a totally yes. different era in which this movie was made. Let me ask this question really quick before we move on. Um, is this a kind of is this a movie that we would want to see remade, modernized? No. You, you wouldn't want to see. Oh, well, they did. I mean, you uh, kind of no, did that with they Fury already Road. Did. No, yeah. no, it's but like, go back to the beginning because Fury Road's set way after the apocalypse. Okay, yeah. Like go back to the beginning and do the tragedy of losing uh, his family. Uh, again. Let's let's learn about. Do, I mean, do you, would we want to see something like no. this redone and see what I, it would look like with with modern effects and, and a budget? I or, think, I think or are we good? Unless with it was the, the low budget. Stuff? Unless it was George Miller who did it. Sure. I mean, I, I think I, I would I, prefer what they're doing now, which is just keep, keep telling going. stories. Just keep yeah. going forward. Yeah. yeah. And, because, and, you know, we always do prequels and shit nowadays. So I, I kind of wonder if people would be into something like that. You know, that. another interesting thing about this is like, so it was like the most successful independent film ever made up until the Blair Witch Project came out. <laughs> um, but when it got a limited release in the United States, um, the studio that was releasing it was afraid that people couldn't understand the Australian accents. And so like they had it overdubbed. And so the original thing was like, uh, not Mel Gibson's voice. None of the characters were like, uh, you know, actually like using their real voice. And then later on, I think when home video kind of became a thing and stuff like that, they went back to the original, um, voice thing and it was kind of funny because when me and jude were watching it we had to put the subtitles on it was like we can't understand what they're saying oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was real i didn't have subtitles i had no clue what the hell was going on uh all right so let's do final thoughts on the original mad max man uh vader what do you final thoughts give it a rating what would you oh, rate this movie man it's gonna be tough because it's a, it is it's a it damn is. good movie I feel like but you have to like rate it in the mad max universe oh, you can't rate it well against other i mean you things. can go i mean these movies are easily gonna go uh uh four two three one but but th but that's like judging star wars and star trek movies i mean it's just whatever it, yeah. it's everybody's gonna have a different order um this movie if i don't know what my grade's gonna be i'm gonna i'm just gonna put it probably in the middle three probably a two and a half, two and a half three yeah um i didn't the pacing's weird it it it's it's seems like they're trying to tell you a story but it gets a little convoluted and stuff you get a little confused about where they're going and what they're trying to do especially with his family and stuff you know and 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 the cops when rain learned about the cops but um, can i can i give you a little context sure. for 1979 when this came out yeah yeah other movies that came out in the same year were star trek the motion picture mm -hmm. <laughs> the warriors yeah Sal salem's lot alien oh, oh man shit that, yeah you can't compare nothing to that yeah, yeah. Escape from Alcatraz, okay. Apocalypse Now. Okay. So these are the yeah. movies that came out in the same year as this. Yeah, I'm if just that helps. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, I I judge. So I judge movies on emotion and and visual. How how happy they make my eyes and my ears, and um, I think uh, I'm just gonna put this right in the middle. I'm gonna go two and a half because I I do think it's a little little confusing and um, some of the stuff makes me made me scratch my head, but uh, yeah, it was going learning about this movie after the Road Warrior was was it, it makes it more interesting to me and it was it's just kind of like a weird little setup movie yeah, so it's an origin story but uh it's yeah. cool it's cool to see where max came from you know and and uh yeah i don't, I don't know what else really okay. to say about it it's it's cool i mean i like it night rider's cool toe cutter's cool you know but they're weird little <laughs> no, they're not they're, 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 no, they're kind of cool I, I, that's what they're what they're there for they're they're assholes they're they're anarchists they're they're a, a crazy biker gang, you know, with their with their crotch rockets. And their their bikes suck. They're terrible bikes. <laughs> oh, those no, dude. It, but no, the seventies. No, those dude, bikes they, were do- all, they had all Harleys. Those, back all then. those bikes were donated yeah. to, to the uh, production. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been able to, to <laughs> those, use bikes. Those like every time I saw one of those motorcycles, I was like, I could strip that down and turn it into a freaking cafe racer in a heartbeat. That'd be dope. Yeah, I just they remind me of all these little. Biker gang. Because I've got a, I've got a bike right in my garage, dude, and I, I'm seriously, I want to road warrior that shit out, dude. Let's like, put yeah. spikes on it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it's 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 one of my favorites. Teach me how to solder. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you mean <laughs> weld? Okay, it's two different things, but that's all right. Teach me both. Okay. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it's one of my favorite low budget movies. Okay. From cool. that era. Yeah, coming from you, that's a lot though. Yeah. Because so, you do not yeah. like low budget movies. No, I really don't. All right, cool. So. Jude, final thoughts, give it a rating. This is a mess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh there are four movies in this universe. This is number four for oh, sure. Oh, your least favorite one. Wow, oh, okay. yeah. I, okay. I I I like I saw the trailer and I was like, I'm gonna need a drink. And then 10 minutes in, I was like, I need another drink. <laughs> and then by the end, I was a lot of drinks in and still was like, what the fuck is happening? It's a great first draft. Okay. And, and, yeah. and it, it sparked this whole universe, which I appreciate. Um, and so this is like, I just feel like these are completed movies that should have just been like first draft scripts. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie is bananas bonkers. Which is a term I've never used before. <laughs> uh, I, 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 it's not a one-star crap fest for Thank me. Thank God. No. no. Um, but the whole, like, I appreciate it more now, like, talking about it and knowing, like, what is, what it, what it, like, inspired. Right. While I was watching it, and it was a first, first watch for me, while I was watching it, I was like, I have no fucking idea. This movie is, <laughs> like, fucking crazy and stupid. I don't know that I get it, but there were parts of it that were like great. So I, I guess it's probably a two star in the Mad Max universe. Okay. And it's number four in the four movies that we're going to talk about. You like Thunderdome better? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my God. All right. Kadish, final thoughts. With Shut you? up. Final thoughts. Give it a rating. <laughs> so uh, I completely agree <laughs> with my lovely lady here. Um, as a student of film, like I can appreciate the story behind the making of this movie. I can appreciate what it did for the, the time in which it was made and released. Um, it's, it's a very slow and, and weird narrative um, to the story. And, and honestly, the first 10 minutes and the last 15 minutes are probably the best parts of the movie. Yeah. Um, so like that long slog in the middle was just kind of like, it's like, okay, let's get on with it. Um, but 
for being George Miller's first movie and, you know, himself financing it and doing all these gonzo things and kind of revolutionizing like how people look at like, you know, action scenes and stuff like that right before like the, the golden age of the eighties um, got started um, introducing the world to Mel Gibson and, and, you know, that type of thing. There's a lot of really great things that this movie did and it, it's very influential, but, in terms of just sheer entertainment, I got to go with like two stars because okay. it is, it is a mess of a narrative. Mm -hmm. um, the action scenes are cool, but they're kind of few and far in between. That's like a budget thing. Originally, like they had like way more scenes that they wanted to do, but they just couldn't afford to. Also, they named their kid Sprog. Sprog. What? What? <laughs> that's a dope ass. That's oh, a great Should have used that. Should have used it. Damn it. It's oh, not too late oh, to change it. Yeah. There, there were lots of weird <laughs> names in this movie. Um, <laughs> I'm going to name my next pet Sprog. Do it. Dude. But, but the, fact that, spike the, the, the fact that this movie kind of revolutionized the Australian film market and and put them on the world stage and made made the Australian government realize, like, oh, maybe we should try different types of movies. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe we should do there. more movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you, you know, like that, that was a big deal. And it led directly to our next movie, The Road Warrior, uh, which was even more influential than this one. Mm -hmm. But this is the type of movie that inspired like Steven Spielberg and made him think like, like, oh, like maybe, you know, like we can do things a little bit different visually than what, you know, Hollywood, you know, has been doing in the past. And so like it, it was a, it was a big movie for filmmakers. Um, Picture it. Mad Max, but in the ocean. <laughs> oh, that would be, uh, oh, no. that, that's Waterworld. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah, so any, anyway, yeah, two, two, two solid stars uh, for, for me. Okay. Uh, I think I like this movie a little bit better than you guys. This is closer to a three for me. Uh, I, so I'm going to give it two and a half. Uh, you guys know I'm a sucker for stunts. Yeah. Sure. I'm watching this movie and I'm just like, I don't know how they did it. I don't know how they survived it. I'm sure those people that were all injured doing stunts for this movie appreciate your two and a half. None of the people in this movie were stunt performers. It was all like the actors doing this. Stuff. Yeah, oh, that's and, so and they for sure aren't moving forward from this movie <laughs> and, either. And, and, and the people who, who did do like the stunt driving and stuff like that, they were just people they found like, hey, you can drive really good. You want to be in our movie? Yeah, like, no, oh, I'm okay. gonna, yeah, no, I'm going to give it a three. Because what did we can, give Can you Wormwood? drive a car really fast? The first Wormwood movie. Also oh, in that's Australia. Like a, that's like a four for me. It yeah, was, this is that was I mean, awesome. Wormwood was I will, Wormwood, Wormwood, Wormwood was straight. Wormwood's Wormwood my favorite movie of the year so has far. A better, really? No yeah. shit. <laughs> Wormwood has a better story structure to it. It makes more sense. I was, I was confused by the beginning half of this movie. Like I had no idea what was going on until Kadish like spelled it out for me. I was like, I, I guess there's a lawyer involved. Some biker gang shit's going on. I don't know. So I was very confused. I think the editing was a little weird. It has a really long, slow period in the middle. I think if you were never seen this movie, watch the whole thing. But if you've seen it before and you're like, well, I really want to watch the first Mad Max because I'm watching, you know, if you're watching the trilogy mm -hmm. or something, I would say just pick it up to when the wife runs into the biker gang. Yes. Yeah. Like pick it up there and watch that movie. It's like 45 minutes long. It's awesome. So I, watch, I actually, watch, actually think if you watch the Road Warrior, Thunderdome and Fury Road, like you wouldn't need this no. movie. Like you could just watch not those at all. three. Yeah. Or you, you could also just watch the first 15 minutes in the last 30 of this one. Yes. Sure. Yeah. And do it like a mini cut. Yeah. Because all the shit in the middle. It really doesn't I matter. I feel like I'm just agreeing with everything you guys yeah. are saying. <laughs> yes, that. Also that. And, and, and that's also why this is a two and a half for me. Because you could. You can cut out all the stuff in the middle. There's yeah. an hour of this movie that you like really I, don't need. You watch the family man lose his family, go crazy, get a freaking black charger, yeah. and go kill people. Like That's yeah. the movie. I, I could watch 45 minutes of it and be good. Anyway, two and a half. All right, guys. That's it for Mad Max. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned. The next one we're going to do is The Road Warrior. We'll be right back. 
Oh, we could, we could fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, yes. real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola, come make it yours. Visit sixflags.com slash coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99. Oh, we could, we could fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, yes. real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola, come make it yours. Visit sixflags.com slash coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99. Welcome back, everybody. Hey, if you guys want to support the podcast and get some awesome swag in return, go to saltynerdstore.com. There you can get access to a ton of awesome t-shirts that we've designed and put out there for your wearing pleasure. And also you get access to our limited time uh, Global Dynamics t-shirt that is still available for a short period of time. And uh, it's uh, it, you guys can help us out. It, we get uh, a little bit of money for every shirt that we sell. Plus, you guys can spread the word about the podcast if you wear an interesting shirt. Uh, and somebody asks you about it, you can say, hey, I got this from the Salty Nerds. I listen to their podcast. It helps spread the word, helps uh, get people involved in the podcast. And you guys get to wear some really cool stuff. So head over to SaltyNerdStore.com and uh, grab some swag. It actually happened to me one day in Target. Yeah. I was wearing uh, our Salty Nerd podcast tank top. Mm -hmm. And I was checking out. And the guy was like, um, I hope you don't mind me asking because it was like, I was staring at your tits. It, yeah. It's yeah. right on my boobs. He was like, I hope you don't mind me asking, but, um, what is that? What's the salty nerd podcast? And he was like pointing at my boobs. He's like, what is that? I mean, like what's, what's the, what podcast is that? And I was like, well, it's <laughs> my show. <laughs> so I went That's out because I always keep some of our stickers in my mm. car. So I went to my car, grabbed some stickers, brought in and I was like, there you go. Just tossing it, them like dollar dollar bills in stickers. Nice. In the target. All right. The next movie on our list is Mad Max, the road warrior. Mm. I'm stoked. This was freaking so crazy. This was a bananas movie. Yes. Jude, take it away. 1981 Mad Max road warrior rated R with a runtime of one hour, 36 minutes. This had a budget of $4.5 million. What do you think this brought in? Oof. And remember, the last one made eight. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say this made 15 million. B? I'm going to go higher. I'm going to say 25. 1981. 23 million dollars. Nice job, buddy. Fader wins yeah. a speedboat. No, How well. many speedboats do you have by now? I have three or four. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very good at this game. I'm terrible at this I game. Always, I always, I'm always bad at like trying to figure out, you know, 1982 money versus, mm -hmm. you know, today. Mm -hmm. So. All right. What's it about? Ready? Yep. Max is back with a bigger budget and he ain't got no time for warlords and just had a big old bowl of revenge. After his wife and child were killed, he methodically tracked down and killed all the members of the Knight Rider gang. His V8's been souped up and modified post-apocalyptic style, complete with a special doggy seat for his new pooch in the Pursuit Special. When a sneaky helicopter pilot tries to carjack Max, his burgle gets bungled by the dog's bark and bite and Max takes him hostage. The hostage tells Max about an oil refinery being held captive by Max's kryptonite. Warlords. Lord Jason Voorhees and his Channing Tatum sidekick 
and his band of bikers live their lives one quarter mile at a time. They've been hoarding the gasoline so they can continue to scoot scoot around the dystopian desert, scavenging and pillaging. First of all, Max hates warlords. And second, he wants that gas for himself. So, so this is a real two birds, one stone situation. He watches from a distance for his chance to sneak into the town and once inside, finds more than he bargained for. There's a chain gang community that needs a champion to liberate them from the tormenting biker gang. The stars couldn't be more aligned. Max loves destroying biker gangs and knows he's the man to em emancipate the townsfolk, get himself some sweet, sweet petrol, and set his new hostage bestie up with the all growed up Cindy Lou Who to fly off into the nuclear fallout with. Discuss. This movie's freaking bananas. I love this movie. I loved it. This it's so crazy fun and good. This is everything. The last 20 minutes of the first movie is this whole movie. Yes. And it's incredible. Yes. It's so the, fun. The first movie was like, here's a rough draft. What do you think of this? Yeah. And then this movie was like, we took it to 11. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, like after the first movie hit, this was like the biggest budget Australian movie ever made. Oh, sure. And they basically said like, hey, George, we want you to make the Mad Max movie you always envisioned. He's like, give me all this money and I'll do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was one of those things where like the original movie got so much traction in the States that like an actual studio came in, gave him like millions of dollars mm -hmm. to make this. And this was America's really the first introduction to um, uh, Mel Gibson. And basically with this movie, they called it the Road Warrior. Everywhere else it's called Mad Max 2. But they called it the Road Warrior because like the uh, release of the first movie was so limited in the States that they were thinking that nobody knew that there was an other, other Mad Max. Mm -hmm. And so they renamed it the Road Warrior so, to make it so that people didn't have to have seen the, the first one in order to understand what was going on in this But movie. for those who did, we knew where that leg brace came from. And we were like, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, the thing, the thing that's cool about this movie um, is that the first couple minutes, they just, they just set it up because they know nobody watched that first movie. Mm -hmm. Oh, they, yeah, the opening. And, and, they, yeah. And, they, and, they, and they insert clips from, from the Mad original Max movie, yeah. and, and um, they just tell you what's going on. It's like, hey, man, the world sucks. Some shit happened. And now we're all fighting over gas with a roving desert. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy and, and they also use an interesting framing device where like there's a narrator who's basically talking at the beginning and end mm -hmm. of this movie that's not Max. Nope. And he's kind of just talking about it's, it's the feral kid. Yeah. The feral well, kid well, is the that's, narrator. That's revealed. Yeah, it's revealed later. Yeah. I like movies with narrators, you know, like like a it helps it. Like the wizard from Conan. You know, stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. Same same kind of thing. Like, yeah, I'm going to tell you a story. I, the opening this is of this wild, crazy man I met when I was a child. Yeah, you know that kind of stuff. Thing. That's good stuff. Mm -hmm. I I before like I, I hadn't seen this movie in forever, so I I didn't remember much about the narrator or the or, or what he said. But at the end of this movie, where he was talking about like, and then I went on to become the leader of the Northern Tribe, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like for the longest time, I thought for sure that that feral kid was Tom Hardy. In, oh. in Fury Road. And I was like, oh, he grew up and he, he wanted to be just no, like no, Max. No. So he went off and he became just like Max. And he's like the new road warrior. For the longest time, I thought that's what they were doing. And then I watched, I rewatched this movie for the podcast. And I was like, oh man, my theory was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I was all bummed out. But I love the opening sequence when they're doing flashback scenes. They they showed the scene with the, the van toppling through the street. Mm -hmm. They showed all the crazy, the, the ones where his eyes bug out. They showed yeah. that. There was like a nuclear holocaust that happened. It was, you know, they set it up very well. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun.
It's like yeah. he absolutely did not have to watch the first movie. I, and also, this movie is so influential. It, it's it's kind of like when you think of a nuclear post-apocalypse, this is the movie that yes. sets the images in your mind. Mm -hmm. And this had like a big influence on like the Fallout games. Oh, yeah. uh, and anytime you, you, you see like roving bands in a post-apocalyptic, like roving gangs, like the, the look of the marauders in this movie is what inspires it. Like, like this movie inspired so many knockoffs in the eighties. It was crazy. Can we real quick, just talk about the outfits in this movie? Yes. <laughs> what's wrong with them? <laughs> what do you mean? What's wrong with them? They're incredible. The bat, they're wearing half football uniform padding for protection, assless leather chaps so what? in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> so, Have so, any of you guys what seen is your weird science? <laughs> Long time ago. What's going on with this movie? You know that the 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 biker in this, the Lord, um, not Lord Jason Humongous? Voorhees, um, Wes, his name Wes, is, the dude with the hockey mask on. No, no, the other one oh, is, the, is the biker guy in Weird Science that comes crashing yeah, through yeah. the glass, and he's reprising this character. But, oh wow! But to answer your question, Alex, so like in in this world where like there are no like real like you know manufacturing bases, like you're not kind of growing herds to like you know collect their wool and make clothes they have to scavenge for stuff to wear and so like what's going to survive it's going to be leather mm -hmm. and it's going to be like football equipment and stuff but, like that listen man made from plastic but, but the when, the, when the apocalypse hasn't <laughs> when the apocalypse has God, when the apocalypse happens yeah the first place i'm going is dick sporting skates <laughs> i'm going to dick bro and i'm going and i'm buying a fucking bat i'm getting some badass black <laughs> Uh, shoulder pads, dude. I'm gonna listen, get some. Fucking, you should probably stock up on for, bats now. Yeah, let's it, just. You know, I just have to call out the ridiculous, and then we can get over it. We can move on and talk about how awesome this movie is. But the ridiculous point of this is sick ass the mohawk. main bad guy is wearing leather straps yeah. with a metal crotch. Yeah, he, listens, he listens to a lot of Judas Priest, okay, and, and a hockey mask. Uh -huh. With no, so there's no armor. There's no he does, practical. He doesn't need armor <laughs> because he is who he is. He's yeah. Jason Voorhees. Lord, Lord Humongous doesn't need no armor. Absolutely. It's ridiculous. He's going to sit up there on and his then, not even, and he's going to talk into his microphone. Not even to talk about the idea that gasoline is this like ultra precious thing that yeah. everybody needs because there's so little of it, but they're all driving giant freaking V8 vehicles that are completely not aer yeah, aerodynamic. It doesn't make any sense. doesn't make it. any sense listen, whatsoever. All right, listen. Before, I just need to put that out there. You're, you're crazy. Why? It just, it's awesome. Why do you need that because it i'm okay with it not making any sense because the movie's so much fun but if you were re really gonna break Listen, it down and be a salty nerd about it you're like none of this no, shit makes any sense it absolutely makes sense because that's <laughs> just the way it is i am absolutely going to be running around in fucking shoulder pads after the apocalypse it's gonna happen it's gonna have like sure. skulls and yeah. metal plates. Vader's gonna be in his assless chaps. Assless chaps. Yeah, yeah. Dude, the dude's wearing assless chaps. Well, you know, whatever. This guy, as soon and as the apocalypse hits, this guy's gonna like fucking kick in my front you know door and be like, give me the wig. And you're, you're gonna, I'm gonna make you my little blonde wig, little. Channing uh, Tatum sidekick? Just, no, he's, he's gonna come in. He's like, Candace, I challenge you to home game. No. I'm taking your woman. I'm gonna make Alex my, my twink. And he's gonna run around on my bike for me. Oh my god, I love that so much. You know, like, Listen, bitch, you're coming with me. Get on the back. And, and Jude's gonna be fucking running around with a collar around her neck on, on a chain, and she, on, on on the other sidecar. And, and so I'm gonna be tossing around boomerangs. It's right. Like, <laughs> it's, it's gonna be great. Can't you just gonna be like standing there, like there used to be my woman. <laughs> Got, He's gonna be the narrator. We're gonna be yeah, the, the salty. Yeah, he'll be the fucking narrator. It's gonna be, be like, the, the, the salty nerd gang of a, a waste of life. Oh my God, dude. And we're gonna live inside 
Hoover Dam. We you used know to just all work together, and then Vader had to come in and dominate the world. Hockey mask. <laughs> Vader's really hoping for World War II. Oh, yeah. right oh, so he's so loving for, for it. Listen, listen to me. He hates his job so much. Wait, it's <laughs> what he's living for, honestly. This, this movie came out when I was 11, 12 years old. Oh, my okay. God. This was formative for you. It was formative. <laughs> oh, my God. So I had a bunch of friends. There's probably 15 of us kids that kind of like, live down there and we and we all had these weird little like caves and forts and tree houses and shit and we dressed up like this we dressed up like warriors of the wasteland and we had fucking wars i had a go-kart guy <laughs> i had a go-kart that i wired like pieces of roofing and shit too and steel and spikes and stuff coming out of it it was awesome and we had wars we led battles on on our riverbank of just you know, the, the and we all played like we were road warriors and it yeah. was amazing. And it was so much fun. And it was just formative. That's a good word for it, you know, and we had shoulder pads and stuff and it was just, it was just yeah. a cool movie. This movie was hugely influential, not just, you know, the, the way that this movie influenced Hollywood and, and how action scenes were shot and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, the, the whole kind of vision of this post-apocalyptic future basically like set the stage for all of the future dystopian post-apocalyptic stuff to come. Like it can't be understated how important this movie was. And for the longest time, this was the best Mad Max movie. And it was the movie mm -hmm. that George Miller and, and Mel Gibson both felt best embodied, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the franchise. Um, and it's kind of funny because like, if, if you look at where they shot it, so they shot it out in the middle of the Australian outback out in the middle of nowhere, but as, as kind of like hot and dusty as it looks on film, it was actually like super cold mm -hmm. when they were shooting it. And, uh, the guy who plays Wes, the, the, the main or Wes, the, the main kind of like henchman in the movie. Um, you know, he's wearing these buttless chaps and, and Mel Gibson used to call him. The, I'm going to get you some, the, the Mel Gibson, I'm going to get all of you some, okay, okay. Uh, Mel Gibson used to call uh, Wes the barometer bum because, um, when his exposed ass turned purple, it was, it was, so, it was so cold that they had to like stop nice. production. Oh my and so God. everyone was always looking at the guy's ass, not, not to look at his ass, but to see like how cold it was getting. Oh my God. <laughs> so that they knew when to take a break. God dang it. This movie is so ridiculous. Uh, I had a great time. I, yeah, oh, it's and, a blast. And, and, and this was done without any CGI. Yeah. Like, oh, like yeah. All of this stuff is practical. Effect. That's yeah. what I love about all these movies. These, these a lot of CGI in them. The absolutely ludicrous cars and like buggies that they come up with when they're driving around this desert. I'm, I'm looking at this stuff and I'm like that. I mean, it looks like it's held together by freaking bubble gum and shoestring. Like, mm -hmm. just like, yeah, let's just strap some weird shit to a mm -hmm. buggy, yeah. put a V8 on it. And the amount of gasoline wasted. Oh, in my this gosh. Movie. Like, Dude, thank you. Fuels. Yeah. So, <laughs> one of the things I really appreciate about this movie is how well it gets set up. And they do it right from the get go. You know, some time has passed mm -hmm. since the since the first movie. I don't know. I in my in my head canon, I want to say five years. Well, he's got a gray okay. patch in his hair now. Yeah, yeah. So it's been a um, minute. But the very first scene of this thing is is Max hauling ass through the desert, and he's getting he's being chased by the gang. Mm -hmm. You know, and they have the wreck at the at the truck. But but you know some shit's going on because the first thing he does, he doesn't really care about the guy up there with the gun pointed at him up on top of the hill. He starts saving that gas. He gets a frisbee, a, a helmet, something, anything that he can find at that wreck. Yeah, that's, to save that's, the uh, to, to save the gasoline that's falling out of that dune bucky that just mm -hmm. that just wrecked, and it just it was very uh, 
it sets telling, up how, it, it yeah. sets up the world very well. Yeah, the, the interesting thing about George Miller's um, directing style is he he directs these movies like he would a silent film. Mm -hmm. Like like I think Max has a total of like sixteen lines in the entire movie. There's not a lot of dialogue in these films. It's all visual storytelling, and um, a lot of it's just kind of like like Vader said. It's like if you're paying attention to the movie, you're understanding what's being communicated to you. Oh, for sure, yeah. I just, I can't get over, get over how freaking cool everything is. It's like these vehicles that they're driving through the desert. Mm -hmm. One thing I, I didn't remember about these movies, it's been a minute since I've seen them, is how little Max actually gets to drive his own car. Yeah. Like that actually. It's very little. Like the further into the series that we got, I, I became annoyed. I was like, God damn it. Get in the goddamn car and do something cool. Like, um, gasoline is not very. Like, like he so sets up the whole does movie. does not have a full tank. The whole movie is so set up that he's like, I'm going to do this favor for these people and I'm going to go. And then they're going to, in return, they're going to give me as much fuel as I can carry. Yeah. I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to go drive off. He works his way through. He trudges through this movie to, to accomplish he, that. He's uh, he's even modified his car to have two uh, gas tanks. Yeah, he's got yeah, yeah. gas tanks in the back. He's like, he's I've got this set. I know what I'm doing. Here's my mission. The minute he gets in his car and actually accomplishes what he set out to do at the beginning of the movie, five minutes later, he gets freaking completely destroyed by oh, yeah. this biker gang. Oh, yeah. And I was like, God damn it, man. That's the nice ass car. There goes the interceptor. Damn. Like, shit. <laughs> But uh, it, it was so frustrating. I don't know. I just there's so many iconic just characters and just cool shit in this movie. I mean, even the the uh, the his his sidekick I, or is he? It's not really a sidekick. The, just the pilot. The pilot. Mm. The, the helicopter. That's just weird. He's a goofy dude, but just the way he, he, he reminds me of Taggart from um, yeah. Eureka. Yeah. He, well, well, he actually do you, Vader. Do you remember when we uh, reviewed um, Doll Man? Uh, he was the the floating head in Doll. Oh yeah! Oh yeah, my yeah, yeah. god! Yeah, yeah. This dude's a you know Star Wars uh, Episode Three. That dude with the red eyes and he's like the big tall dude. He walks up to Obi Wan. Mm -hmm. That's him. He, he, he was also in Lord of the Rings. He's Is in, he in Lord of the Rings he's too. He's in everything. Yeah, he's he's yeah, probably he, he's probably he was one a of those. Mm. He's probably one of those character type actors like uh, the guy what? from Star Trek, like uh, Doug Jones, like Doug Jones. Yeah. Got that same kind of like tall, yeah. linky, goofy look. Yeah, you can make you know? him look real weird if you yeah. put some alien makeup yeah, yeah. on him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he's, he, he's weird, but the, <laughs> I love a stupid little helicopter. Yeah. That it's, thing, a, it's a gyrocopter. It's, it's just, it it's just a, a seat. It's just a seat with a little propeller. Well, 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 you know why, um, why he has that gyrocopter is basically, um, George Miller wanted to do like aerial photography in this movie. Mm -hmm. And the only way that he could uh, convince the studio <laughs> to give him a helicopter to, to film in is saying like, oh, well, we have this, this guy who's flying above the action and we need to be able to like show him and those so are like, some of the best scenes in the movie he's like, you know what this movie needs uh, a helicopter <laughs> it's a helicopter yeah and, and so like that he wrote that in specifically so he could convince the studio to pony up money for a helicopter nice clever very clever in fact there's a scene where like mel gibson is being kind of like airlifted by the gyrocopter back to the uh um oil refinery mm -hmm. and um uh the, the shots like looking down at mel gibson you can like see like they're like above the ground and it's moving. And uh, I, I think, uh, you know, nowadays they do that on like a green screen or like digital like replacement and stuff like that. But in that day and age, like they literally put Mel Gibson on a board sticking out of a helicopter and just filmed him as he was like hanging off his helicopter. Yes. And it looks great. It looks great. It looks great. I love it. And you can tell it's not CGI and that's what's cool about yeah, it. And, yeah. And the crazy thing is, is so like we talked about the lack of safety standards in the first Mad Max movie. Mm -hmm. 
again, this movie was made in like 1982. Mm-hmm. 80, about, it was 1980. This came out in 81. So it filmed in 80. So it was, it was filmed in 80. Again, no safety standards whatsoever. And when they were doing the climactic uh, truck flip at the end, when uh, Mad Max is driving this like huge like tanker truck and it flips over and, mm-hmm. you know, skids and comes to a stop eventually, they were so convinced that the um, stunt driver was going to be injured <laughs> that like they made him fast for like 24 hours ahead of time in case he had to be rushed to surgery. Oh, God. Prior to the stunt. Prior to the stunt. <laughs> like everyone was like, this guy's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> So, but, all right. but shoot it anyway. <laughs> shoot it anyway. <laughs> See, okay, are you cool with this? But, are you George ready, Miller, ready to go? He's a, he's a surgeon. He's yeah, an yeah, emergency so, surgeon. So, so here's the funny thing. So like they use like 80 cars in, in, in this he movie. He had his little surgeon's cap on <laughs> and, while they were filming. And, and, and so like there were numerous like injuries because of all the stunts they were doing. And because George Miller was a trained physician, he would be the one to patch them Thank up. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. He's, he's over sorry, there filming it. No. <laughs> no. In fact, there, there's a very famous stunt that went wrong in this movie. Oh, which one where, was it? Where basically this motorcycle like hits something and the stunt guy goes flying head over heels yeah. um, over the thing. And like, and like, they, they, like he, he actually broke his cut. leg. He does like yeah. the full body flip <laughs> yeah, several yeah, yeah. times. So, so he's going 360 degrees. Like you can see like his legs kind of like at a weird angle because like he broke, oh. broke his leg. Um, and they left it in the movie, but that was actually an accident. Like, yeah. like, like he was not supposed to like go flying like that, but it looked so good on film. They, they were, were like, like we're going to keep you, it in. We're using that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking brilliant. I can see George Miller right now. He's got the camera. He's like, keep rolling, keep rolling, yep, keep rolling. Yep, yep. Cut. All right. Give me a scalpel. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's amazing, man. This yeah, movie. yeah, I mean, like oh. they played real fast and loose with the safety standards. I think, I think two stuntmen got seriously injured uh, on this movie, Jesus. and there were like a lot of like little like bang ups. Shit, and, what about the flamethrower they had? Remember that? Like they freaking sitting on top of there, and they were burning yeah, they people really, alive. They really, the, they, they really caught them on live on fire. Well, obviously they <laughs> did, but I'm like, what were the safety standards for that? Just ah, wear a sweatshirt, you'll yeah, be fine. Put, put some of that fire goop on. I, I mean, if, <laughs> if you set right. a guy on fire in Samurai Cop, I'm sure like the Road Warrior was fine. Oh man, that's crazy. Uh, I think my favorite line uh, in this movie is is when Mel Gibson finally sits down. He's like, two days ago, I saw a vehicle that had hauled that tanker. For you. Like that, when he's just sitting there on the freaking tires and he's just listening to this town of people like panic. It was like a Quint moment from Jaws where it's like, I'll, yes. I'll, yeah. I'll catch that shock for you. Yeah, it was, <laughs> oh, dude, it was such a good line. We're going to need a bigger boat. I love that accent that he had when he said it. It was just great. It was awesome. So uh, in the first Mad Max movie, Mad uh, Max actually has a dog. It's a family dog, mm-hmm. and you it's kinda, a puppy. They yeah, just yeah. got. You, you kind of get the sense that, that that's the same dog in this movie. Where, no, where, where well, I mean, like, so Mad Max has a dog that he's like traveling with. That thing was and, like a chocolate and, lab and, in the and, first and, one. <laughs> it's like a healer in this one. Okay, fine. Jude, do you want to tell them the story about uh, what actually was the story behind that dog? <gasps> so, uh, for the filming of this one. They needed a dog for the story because it was in the script. Right. And so they just went to like um like a local shelter, like a dog shelter or like a pound. Yeah. And they just like took a dog and one they that tra- was about to be euthanized. Yeah. They trained it for the film to do all of the stunts. And then one of the cameramen adopted it at the end of the film. Oh, the blue healer? Mm-hmm. That dog is cool looking. I love that dog. Yeah. yeah. And uh it was funny because the guy who plays the gyro captain, um, actually like he was the dog's favorite. And so like every time he was on set, the dog would go up and try to play with him. <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. And um And they didn't even give it a name in the movie. It was just it was, dog. It was just dog, yeah. And and, and it's it's funny because like Jude wasn't paying the closest of attention when the dog got killed. Oh no. And and so like she uh Thankfully. Mi- she she missed all the trauma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but, 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 but that's a great example of like how um, George Miller doesn't show uh, a lot of violence in his movies, yeah. but he implies it. And so like when, when you see that scene of like the guy with the crossbow, like shooting the dog, you never see the dog get hit or die. Yeah. But like at the same time, you're, you're, you're just like devastated. Well, yeah, it's like, oh saw. my God, they killed the dog. Yeah, when you hear it whimper on off screen, you're yeah. like, oh, they just freaking shot the dog. So there was, speaking of like the violence and stuff, there's another scene early on in this movie where the the biker gang uh, does very something very similar that they did in the first movie where they like chase down that couple in the car. Mm-hmm. And it's very heavily implied that that poor woman gets freaking yeah, raped. brutally raped. And it was like, you're watching it. And there, Mad there's Max, a lot of rape in the early Mad Max. Yeah, movies. yeah, there is. Weirdly, you guys aren't as traumatized by it by you, like as you are by Outlander. Don't even say that show's name. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Outlander. <laughs> Stop it. Outlander, Outlander. Why would you say that name? <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a, it was just a, it was an interesting way that they did it because they didn't, outright show it but they did a lot like I, they didn't go full like clockwork orange like that was yeah. a horrendous scene like i do not like that movie because of that scene but this one they're like mad max on the hill scene really freaks me <clears throat> yeah and uh he's looking with his binoculars and then the the gyro captain dude pulls out this giant like pirate one-eyed binocular thing it's such a fun trope <laughs> such a weird and he looks mad max looks up at it that's not a telescope <laughs> this is a telescope that thing's like six feet long max looks at him like grabs it gives him his binoculars and then uses the thing to watch him like this it was such a weird like comedic relief to yeah. what was happening yeah. to what they were watching I, I, movies have used that same gag i wonder i, I enjoy the fruition of their friendship oh, from yeah. like hostage to like besties yeah. they, they kind of did that in bone tomahawk where matthew Fox had like the the German yeah uh, oh yeah. yeah that's right yeah I forgot about that I'm so glad you referenced Bone a, Tomahawk. A, there's I think uh, Johnny Depp did it in one of the Pirates of the Caribbean yes movie. with Barbosa yeah. yeah that's right because Barbosa yeah. had a bigger one and he looked at it and he stole it that's <laughs> I'm sure there's other shows that's weird yeah, yeah. that's funny you fucking dudes and your long ass telescopes it's a penis it's a very thing. phallic yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not into it I'm just saying it's a trope. All right, final thoughts. Give it a rating. What's God, Road Warrior for you, already? Well, yeah, what, you haven't been saying shit. What well, else like do you guys say? have been talking a lot? Go for it, but it's all I, yours. I mean, it's just it's, it's it's a it's a great movie. I mean, the the, the stunts are amazing. The, I I love the characters. It's, it was very formative to my youth. Um, it's it's one of the reasons I picked these movies to watch is mm-hmm. because I've been wanting to talk about this movie with you guys for a long time. It's it's a it's I feel like it's an I don't know if it's I feel like it's an important movie in movie history yeah for some reason i don't know why it just it feels like it's up there with like uh movies of that era that were influential as far as for whatever it is that they do you know i i i knock it i keep it up there with like uh the original kind of star wars you know how george lucas broke the mold with 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 movies back then really you put road warrior up there with star it, it's, wars. it's 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 up there but it's not like a star wars movie i mean if it is what it is um there's just so much that's fun about these movies it's like everything from the fashion to to humongous out there you know the shoulder pads and the hockey mask and i love the vehicles the vehicles are amazing with they're just the hod the hodgepodge way they're thrown together and yeah the goofy little dune buggies and the trucks most and non uh yeah gas efficient yeah. vehicles ever made <laughs> yeah and, and the, this the stunts are incredible with this thing you, you know it's just you know it's just so much about this movie it's just it's non-stop from the get-go and there's so many cool characters even even the the people in in the oil refinery you, you know i gotta say i was not um i was not annoyed by the kid 
No, the kid's cool. Feral kid, kid? He doesn't really do much. The only thing he really does is the boomerang trick mm-hmm. that one time. He's got his little tunnel system. Yeah, there. and then he buzzes off and, and just does his that own thing. That also reminded me of Six String Samurai when mm-hmm. the kid was just like, Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was funny how like uh, the kid kept trying to like stow away with Max and Max kept kicking him out yeah. of the car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would do the same thing. Uh, screw that feral kid. You know, it's, it's the, the, I'd rather have a joke. <laughs> the last uh, twenty minutes, the, the the big chase scene at the end is absolutely it's incredible, bonkers, it's so fun. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and, and I like the reveal at the end where basically uh, after the tanker flips over, mm-hmm. Mad Max discovers that it was just full of sand, and they were just a decoy to allow the other people from the colony to escape. And it was funny when they actually blew up that colony because you know in the movie they basically booby trap the the thing so that the marauders can't get the oil and there's this huge explosion and the explosion was so big that they had to not only alert the authorities about mm. it but they had to alert air traffic control to make oh, sure that there was no one flying overhead when it happened That's amazing. because you could hear this thing and see it for miles could you oh, imagine yeah. just trying to take a flight in <laughs> australia and being like why are we on fire? <laughs> like, like the explosion, oh, the film in Mad Max Pop too. The explosion was literally so big that they were afraid people might think that they were under attack. Oh my god! You know, like, That's like, amazing. Like a, like a nuke went off or something. Well, this is eighties, right? There's it was like the, actually the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> the gas wars have begun. The middle of the freaking Cold War. It's the eighties. They all think Russia's going to nuke them. So yeah, yeah. But, but like if a plane had been overhead when that. Um, explosion went off the shockwave would have like knocked it out of the air yeah. <laughs> what the hell, dude that's wild that's so cool <laughs> we yeah, crashed so, a plane but we've got yeah. this great movie so they just got on the phone was like yeah gov uh, just make sure no one's flying overhead uh-huh. <laughs> all right mike uh, <laughs> all right did you even write it i don't know sorry have five star no no not a five star okay um I'm really picky with those. You know that. I know. I'm yeah. going to go. I thought this would make the cut though. Uh, what I give? I'm, I'm going to, I give two and a half. I'm going to go three and a half, three and a half stars. Okay. Yeah. Right so. Jude, final thoughts. Give it ready. took my score. Um, <laughs> so I had the most fun with this. This is, um, so we're going to talk about like all three of the original Mad Max with Mel Gibson. And then uh, we're also going to talk about Fury Road. So, I don't think that this is the best of the four movies that we're going to talk about. Um, but for me, this was the most fun. So for me, this was another, th- this is three and a half, just like V, okay. but it's three and a half um, sand tankers and uh, blue healers. Nice. And souped up cars. Yeah. Out of five. Flipped over tankers. Flipped over tankers, yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah, no, I thought it was a lot of fun. I had I had a great time watching it. The first one, I was, I almost had PTSD because I was like, this movie's fucking bananas. Why <laughs> do you like this so much? But now I see like, like when I watched this, I was starting to see like, okay, this is what it Should inspired yeah. and what it produced <laughs> and what it created and what's in what else is there in the universe. So it, it had like a weird amount of hope for me because I'd never seen any of these before. I had seen like the, the only thing I had ever seen in the Mad Max universe was the uh, Thunderdome scene in beyond Thunderdome. Okay. And that's what I thought the first one was. So like watching this for the first time, I was like, this is fucking crazy. I don't get it. And now I was <laughs> like, Oh, I'm starting to get it. So it made a lot of sense for me and it, it was so much fun. Nice. Okay. Just final thoughts. Give it a rating. Yeah, so like I can't under overstate the importance of this movie. Um, basically, without this movie, we, we would have never gotten Terminator. 
because this movie inspired James Cameron in the sense that like it gave him the clear vision of the future post judgment day. And, um, and that in turn kind of like informed his writing of, of the Terminator movie. So this was a huge influence on James Cameron and that brought us uh, the Terminator film. Um, also just like visual styles, like George Miller was kind of on the forefront of the music video editing style, uh, and, and just visceral, uh, cameras always move in style of action movies. And so like, because of him, we have people like, you know, I hate to say it, but like Zack Snyder. Like oh that, God, know, let uh, it nowadays. go already. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm actually giving like, uh, some props here. So, um, begrudgingly. <laughs> oh yeah. But, um, but you know, the, the influence of this film just in pop culture in general has been like, you know, just incredible. Uh, like, like I said, like you can't think of a nuclear post-apocalypse nope. without thinking of this movie. And uh, it also put um, Mel Gibson on the radar of Hollywood. And it was because of this movie that he got cast in Lethal Weapon and that launched his career and all that good stuff. And it's just a, it's a very seminal film, I think, in, in Hollywood history, especially like considering it came out at the dawn of like the golden age of 80s cinema and stuff like that and was yeah. so influential. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Lord Humongous was definitely an inspiration for Jason Voorhees going forward. Um, you, you know, because at, at this time it was just like, you know, the, the guy who jumped out of the pond at the end of, you know, Friday the 13th. And then uh, Jason Voorhees got the, uh, the pillow head and then, you know, eventually the hockey mask. But this was like the precursor to, I mean, Friday the 13th basically ripped that off. Um, and there's a really Googling funny furiously right now. There, there's, there's a really funny scene, um, where like in the middle of the movie, there's like this like montage where like, uh, Lord humongous is giving this like big speech to rally his troops and, and stuff like that. And you never hear what he's saying. And, uh, they knew that they were never going to actually like, give him like a speech cause they didn't want to write it. So they just gave him this like children's poem to recite. You know, <laughs> and, and so like the actor is just like doing this, like, you know, like exaggerated movements and stuff like that, where he's like, like Mary had a little lamb, you know, uh, type thing. So I always thought that that was kind of funny. This movie, uh, you know, like the, the storyline was a lot easier to follow than the first one. Mm -hmm. um, and you didn't have to see the first movie in order to appreciate this one. And so like, you know, me personally, like for the longest time, this was the bed best Mad Max movie. And I normally would give it four stars um, just because of all the, the influences that it had and all that stuff. But you know, upon rewatching, I'm going to have to drop it down to three stars, solid three stars, because I just think uh, Fury Road is so much better hmm. uh, than, than this movie. So uh, I'm going to give it uh, three barometer bums out of five. <laughs> barometer bums. Purple barometer bums. Um, Say that three times fast. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so I think for sure this is a three-star movie. It's a ton of fun. I, I had a blast watching it. Um, the kid, although he could be annoying sometimes, uh, he was in there so little that it didn't bother me all that much, and he didn't do anything super crazy. Um, I had a, I had a ton of fun. I don't get where That's the whole what this movie is. I don't get where the whole leather assless chap like freaking gimp suit thing is coming from with the post apocalyptic stuff. It seems completely That's irrational. Just one, Listen, it just when the apocalypse seems... hits, we're all going to need to invest in some assless chaps. Right. I, uh, okay, I guess I don't know. I don't. It's know. the outfit of the future. I mean, we could go a mile According out. According to every single dystopian <laughs> film, yeah, you, you got to keep yourself from getting swamp ass in those hot. Exactly. <laughs> hot outbacks, yes. Yeah, and also you you need like the leather to protect you from the elements sure yeah okay makes sense all right all right that's it for the road warrior stay tuned we're going to talk about beyond thunderdome 
Get ready for that one. All right, guys. Knowing your hatred of children, I am so <laughs> anticipating your Walker. thoughts on this film. Oh. This movie freaking sucked. All right, we'll be right back. We're going to talk about Thunderdome. Bye. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Hey, if you guys want to download an awesome mobile game and support the podcast, go to saltynerd.com slash DC to download Dragon Champions. And I have a call to action for you folks who have already downloaded it and joined our clan for the Salty Nerd podcast. Uh, Get your butt to level 80 and then challenge Matthew Kadish to a one-on-one because he is the master class Dragon Champions. Yeah. Champion, giant champions, Royal. champion. He is the dragon champion. <gasps> Tell people. Holy shit! <laughs> I'm not. I'm just very high level and in a top guild. I'm so. not like the best there ever was, but I'm not far from it. <laughs> I mean, I am in the top twenty of the arena, so there's that. But uh, yeah, so Dragon Champions is a hero collector game. It's kind of in the vein of World of Warcraft. It's kind of like a fantasy style thing, and the goal is to unlock all the different heroes and upgrade them as much as possible, and then use them to uh, you know, go on raids and uh, fight other players and uh, enter tournaments and stuff like that. It's a really fun game. I've been playing it since launch. Can't recommend it enough. It's free to play. If you go to saltynerd.com forward slash DC, that'll take you to where you can download the game. And then if you use our promo code salty, um, you can get a starter pack that has like gold and character shards and a bunch of stuff to get you going. And uh, it also uh, lets the uh, game people know that we sent you. And so we get credit for that and that helps support the podcast. So if you want to check out a fun game and support the podcast at the same time, check out Dragon Champion. All right. Right on. Beyond Thunderdome. The Mad, most Mad Max Beyond. Thunderdome. The most <laughs> ass backwards Mad Max movie ever. This movie sucks, bro. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with you. <laughs> this movie is terrible. You have no appreciation for bad movies. I guess I don't. Jude, take it away. What's all it all right. about? 1985, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Rated PG-13. What? Runtime of one hour, 47 minutes. This had a budget of $10 million. What do you think this brought in? I, I hope I'm going to go with me first. Please tell me it bombed. Vader? $10 million budget? $10 million. Forty-seven million. Twenty-eight million. Let's split the difference at thirty-six million dollars. Okay. You both win half a speedboat. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, take it away. In a double cross, no one saw coming. Helicopter Bestie stole all of Max's supplies and escaped to Barter Town to blend in and lie low. Max tracks him there, but before he can make contact with his fists, he's recruited by evil Tina Turner, who don't need another hero. She needs a warrior. She's the law of the land, but her nemesis has the power over what powers Bartertown, the underground methane farm. If Max kills the muscle behind the little man, Tina will stock him up with provision treasure. Why are you shaking your head so aggressively? So stupid. So stupid. (laughs) If Max kills the muscle behind the little man, Tina will stock him up with provision treasure, but no one can know she orchestrated it. Max devises a plan to get Blaster into the Thunderdome, where two men enter, but only one can leave. He, he defeats Blaster in battle, but hesitates just before delivering the killing blow. Blaster's counterpart, Master, runs into the dome to plead for mercy, and Max reveals his scheme with ETT, which places him in a new predicament. Bust a deal, face the wheel. When the wheel of misfortune decrees that Max will face the gulag, he's exiled to the wasteland where he's found by a young woman 
She brings him back to the oasis of abandoned children, thinking he's the foretold savior, Captain Walker, come to take them home. When he tells them there's no home to go to, they go out into the desert themselves to look for civilization in defiance. Knowing the naive kids will only find brutality and hardship if they reach Bartertown, he follows them and ends up in the crossfire of Evil T's grab for power. When he happens across his old bestie, he leverages the unsettled score he has to get bestie to give the kids a red barren ride to safety and keep them out of the clutches of Evil Turner and her horde of doll head wearing minions. Discuss. What is with those fucking doll heads? I don't know. What's wrong? This movie sucks. It's Why? not, it's the worst Mad Max movie ever. It's not I even, a, it's, it's, I do struggle. I disagree. I struggle to I call it. I understand how you feel. I struggle to call it a Mad Max movie. I feel like this was like, we're going to make Tina Turner a movie star. Well, that's what it was. Yeah. And they had just like the rights to Mad Max. So they were like, we're going to build this around that. So the, the story behind the making of this movie is that George Miller wanted to make a Lord of the Flies movie. Okay. And nobody would give him money to do that. And so he's like, what if we put Mad Max in it? And they're like, okay, we'll give you some money to do that. We're listening. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and so like the whole thing with like the kids and, and like the Oasis and stuff like that, that, that was his like post-apocalyptic Lord of the Flies movie that he really wanted to do uh, kind of wrapped in a uh, Mad Max uh, kind of box, I guess you could say. It was a mistake. It was a, it was a misuse of Mad Max. Alex, have you ever read or watched Lord of Lord of the Fr- Lord of the Flies. The only part of that movie I've seen is when the rock falls in the fat kid's head. Okay, that's, just curious. That's all I've seen. I, I don't think I'd be into that movie. Um, well, you know, it was funny because when they made the Road Warrior, that was originally supposed to be the um, the last Mad Max movie because Mad Max had his arc. Where in the first movie he lost his humanity and he became the thing that he always fought against, and then in the Road Warrior he regained his humanity by helping these people. Uh, survive the onslaught of the marauders and so like that was like his complete character arc where it was like okay mad max is now like a thing of legend and you know like his story survives and like this is the end of his story and then when they brought him back for thunderdome they were just kind of like ah what do we do with him uh, i don't know so i mean he's still alive yeah he's still so alive. he's still a badass let's have a new story it's so stupid. Yeah. i uh the only part of this that i actually enjoy is the thunderdome thunderdome part and that, that's the thing that's kind of permeated pop culture the most from these Mad Max films is, is like, you know, everyone knows two men enter, one men leave. Well, that's right. what they named the fucking movie. Yeah. The whole setup to this movie is, that why why did his buddy from the last movie come and betray him? Or so, is it, so, the, okay, is it so a different so character? That's, that's it, actually, I feel like it was supposed to be the same character. No. But it wasn't. Okay. Yeah. So, so basically, it's the same actors, right? But yeah. it's a completely different character. But he's also just happens to be like an aviation right. type. Well, character. now he like, has a name in this one. His name is Jedediah. Yeah. The funny thing about these uh, Mad Max movies, especially the ones with uh, Mel Gibson in them, is like there's very little continuity between like all three of them. Facts. And so like uh, George Miller just enjoyed working with these actors, and so like he just cast them in basically the same role, but they were like completely different characters. Yeah, he's like, listen, I'm having a great time. <laughs> Let's just keep well, going. Mad Max is still Mad Max. Like Mel Gibson's characters, he's still Mad still Max. Max Rothko, but he Kowski. just, but uh, like he just has he has camels now instead of a freaking dope That's car. Because he's out of gas. There's it's no gas. so stupid. Well, well, they, they stole his car. That like like he went <laughs> yeah. to uh, Barter Town yeah. in order to get his car back. That was like the yeah. whole reason for being there. Didn't he have donkey or not donkeys? Uh, camels though. Camels. There was something to do with camels. Yeah, his, his, the camels well, he were. He knew that Jedediah had camels with him or something. Okay. 
Well, Jedediah is the one who stole his car and, and sold it at Bar Barter Town. The so car like, was being pulled by the camels at the beginning of the movie. Uh, Fly Guy came along, hijacked the camels and the cart, took it to Barter Town and traded it. Thank you. Mad Max went to get his shit back and he had to say, I want my stuff back. Well, they who got nothing to trade. Mm -hmm. I've so, got me. Yeah, but I goes, got me. I yeah. got. I can. I, I can skills, work. You know. So then he goes up. I feel like your brain just rebooted. And uh, <laughs> and uh, we go from there. Well, he's defending his, his movie. His job was to kill Master Blaster and anti and anti entity. We would give uh, give his him his shit back, back plus all the all the uh, stuff he could carry. That's yeah. that's the movie, and then we go to Lord of the Flies, and it gets really fucking dumb. Yeah. Thank you. So, <laughs> but the, the first the first forty five minutes of this movie is great. Yeah, so? yeah. Yes. I'm not into it, dude. Yeah. I, I don't care about. It's a Mad Max movie until he goes out in the desert with the stupid helmet yeah, on his until, head. until the gulag. Yeah, yeah. Um, the gulag. Vader, uh, do you remember when this movie came out? Everything about the marketing of this movie was centered around Tina Turner, mm -hmm. and, and, and it was funny because like Mel, Mel, Mel Gibson was like coming off of like yep. Lethal Weapon, yep. but everyone was just like, "Oh, Tina Turner's in this movie!" And it's like her her film debut, and she did a song for the soundtrack. Yeah. And uh, the song was she huge. did two songs, I think. Yeah, there's one at the beginning, and one at the yeah. end, I think. Right? Yeah. Uh, I just I didn't I didn't like Tina Turner in this movie. Uh, she took completely took me out of it. Or like her, her weird, her weird little freaking castle in the sky with her ridiculous chainmail football helmeted thing. Like, what was, was all of that? It was stupid. It's it's it's. What what else was she supposed to wear? Like, why is she? I I created Bottertown, but Maybe I, she I did. lost it. I lost control to some freaking double dude. Well, cause, down cause, cause double dude. <laughs> double dude. It's fucking master blast. Whatever. <laughs> You got master and you got blaster. Yeah, sure. You got the brawn and you got the brains. <sighs> Do you want? Can we even talk about that scene where the the knock the helmet off of yeah. the freaking blaster? Yeah, he's he's it's a iconic he's a, scene. He's a giant. He's a he's got Down syndrome. A, Careful. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I don't know if we're supposed to talk about that, but it's like why we can't talk about somebody's handicap? No, I just don't know. Like I was, I've never seen that part of the movie before. And I, like when that happened, I was like, oh, Jesus, like that was weird. Well, yeah. And that's what gives Max pause, because then suddenly Master runs in, who really was the duplicitous, the duplicitous one who was like, I've been using this poor kid yeah. to be my muscle. And he hasn't even known like really what he was in for. The kid is fucking smiling. He's smiling. He's like having he a good time. He thinks he's playing a game. Yeah, it's crazy. And like he doesn't even realize we're in a death match right now. Yeah. That was oh, I think he realized exactly what he was doing. You think so? Yeah. It's, I don't know. It, it weirded me out. Like, I was not expecting that. Well, well Ma Master said that he has the mind of a child. Mm -hmm. and, right. And you could tell that the guy wasn't fully aware of what was happening once, like, the helmet came off. So it, it was, you know, I, I can remember watching that as a kid for the first time and just being, like, really shocked at, like, what he looked like. Because you think because of that helmet that he's just, like, this monster. Yeah. Yeah, underneath. you think of him as a monster. And then when the helmet comes off, you see him as how he so is. The, so, and it gives you a whole different, like, oh, shit. Now I feel weird about that. Yeah, I did. I did feel very uncomfortable and weird about that whole scene after that. And I was like, oh, God, I can't. Like, that's it just threw me off. I didn't like that. It was really weird. I also didn't like the whole pig shit thing. We are like, what is Bartertown ran on? Bullshit. Pig shit. What? Pig shit. Pig shit. Pig shit. Bullshit. No, pig shit. <laughs> it's just like, what? I got what no issue with that. Bullshit. Who shit? You shit. <laughs> what are they feeding these pigs? Grain? Whatever. What grain? Know. There's nothing alive. They're, they're, they're feeding Humans. them. Feeding them whatever. That's what I'm saying. They're yeah. What is feeding the pigs? It's other people. They're yeah. feeding the pigs people. Cool. 
Literally. And then they shit the the shit out, and then they get the methane off of that, and then, and then you're they, not allowed to kill the pigs. That bothers that bothers you. It's so what's weird everyone and else stupid. It's eating. it's a, an apocalypse. <laughs> Who the fuck knows what's going on in the apocalypse? So all kinds like, of weird shit going but on. In order to like collect the methane, they would have to have some kind of a distillery system. They do. No, they don't. It was all just open pits of shit. The the one dude, they were moving stuff on conveyor belts and putting them in the in the distillery things, and there was gas things. <laughs> There's pipes and shit. And what difference does it make? It's just you know, it's it's use your brain. No, and, and no, no, don't tell me to use my brain for this movie. Dude. Your, <laughs> suspend your fucking your sense of reality. Sometimes I just want to real. I just really want to reenact this whole thing that you guys are discussing. <laughs> the, We're doing the and pig then, shit. Then you pick there's shit. A, there's a methane lab brain. down there. Listen, dude. Use your brain. I can I can suspend my disbelief and believe that these people are driving around in giant V8 rigs that suck fuel down when fuel is like the most precious thing. I'm like, okay, whatever. I get it. Fine. Mm -hmm. But now they got freaking a farm of pigs creating methane gas so that they can power something what are they powering there's nothing there that they Shit need to power nothing. the sign that says thunderdome yeah that's all they needed the power for there's lights up there there's, no, there's they had electricity there, in there's ovens and lights and uh, fans and yeah i mean there's a whole scene where master shuts down like all the methane production yeah. and the entire city just that's how like, he like goes to a standstill like, embargo on whoop master <laughs> And, and that's that's the whole thing. Is who is, runs who, the who town? Controls yeah, the power, yeah, yeah. controls the town. No, I get that. Yeah, that's fine. Tina Turner's mad that yeah. the, the little guy has more power than her. Uh -huh. I, I get it. I just think it's, it's her town, I, and he's like lords it over it. That he's just, the one that's the really controlling thing. Did you if, know that Tina Turner had to shave her head for it, this movie? It was a wig. Yeah, to oh, make her wig man. fit. Poor she girl. had no problem doing that. Though. Yeah, she was like, whatever. Give me the wig. <laughs> but but uh, you, you know what's interesting about this movie? And so like, I think it was agreed uh, that like pretty much unanimously that this is the least good uh, Mad Max movie. Um, and th there's a story behind why this is. And so like after the Road Warrior hit, um, George Miller was kind of getting into TV and he was trying to develop a Mad Max TV show. And it got really close to getting made, but the guy that they um, were going to use as the star of it to play Mad Max died in a horrific uh, oh, no. motorcycle accident. Oh. And then they decided like, that well, tracks. well, I don't want to make this without this guy. So let's, you know, let's make this movie. And when they were uh, filming location or scouting locations for this film, uh, his, George Miller's longtime production partner, a guy by the name Byron Kennedy, died in a horrific helicopter accident and so like uh um george miller was kind of dealing with like the, these two deaths in like quick succession with yeah, one what another. kind of juju is going on on the and, set do they need some stage and, and so like he was he was in the middle of doing this um this tv miniseries in australia with this other guy named george Ogil ogilvy something sure. like that and uh, and because of like the one two punch of, of these deaths, uh, he was just like not in a good mental space. And he asked uh, this guy, George, who he was working on this miniseries with to come in and co-direct this movie with him. And so George Miller not being fully invested in the movie because of dealing with his grief and the fact that this is the only Mad Max movie that George Miller hasn't um, fully directed. He co-directed it um, kind of lends to the idea that this movie, you know, like has its flaws like like it, mm -hmm. it wasn't like the, the best foot forward that george miller could have made for 
the Mad Max film. They just, they never really did any Mad Max shit in this movie until the very end. And it was on a train, which was super lame because it's just going in one direction. By that There's, point, you're kind of checked yeah, out. Yeah, I'm super checked out. I, yeah. I, I seriously, I like when the kid, the freaking Peter Pan and the Lost Boys showed up in this yes. movie. I lost it. I was like, I, I don't, I'm done. Yeah. I, I, I checked out. And, I, and by the time, like you said, by the time the chase comes up, I was just like, gone. Yeah. And it was so weird because like, I, what? What are you doing? <laughs> He just okay. The irony look, look that no, the irony that this website is called the Salt, and it says big companies bet on cleaner power from pig poop. Where did you find that? I don't know. You gotta send me a link to that so I can. Oh put my god! <laughs> he just fact checked me. Don't fucking stop. Vader's on the dark web right now, just like fucking fact checking. Can, can you like, make energy this, from pig shit? This movie the guy's, is real. The guy's got a barn back there. Master Blaster's in the barn. <laughs> All right, I, I, I give up. I, I give up. I don't it works. The press. <laughs> the salt. Dot com. <laughs> that's amazing i forget everything i had in my brain oh, that's it's all right all, it's all just gone so what was going on with the peter pan i seriously did check out like i had no idea what was yeah. going on they thought he was a prophet they thought he was jesus no, so, do i need so, to tell you that story too yeah kind okay of. so there was like a a a plane full of people that crash landed wherever they are and they found this little oasis they dropped off the kids and they were like, we're going to go and try to find civilization. None of them made it back. Captain mm. Walker was the pilot and he left a message saying like, this is our history. This is what we're trying to do. We'll come back to take you guys home to rescue you. Well, that never happens because it's the apocalypse. Yeah, right? So they, all of these kids have kind of raised themselves waiting for Captain Captain Walker the savior to come and, back. And no one has ever made it that far into the wasteland until Mel Gibson. And they mm -hmm. think that he's Captain Walker. Mm -hmm. And so they bring him back and they're waiting for him to, for him to kind of lead them to the promised land. Never, mm -hmm. never land basically. Okay. Yeah. That was, that was a really weird tangent that this movie went on. Yeah, it was it really was weird. Super weird. It was very Lord of the flies. I got more and, Peter Pan and, and Peter Pan. Yeah. yeah. Like for sure. Like it was Lord of the flies without the, killing each other, but very little Lost Boys. This is also the only Mad Max film where the villain um, basically survives at the end and gets the best of Max. Because uh, Tina Turner, basically, she returns to uh, Bartertown and she's not overthrown. Yeah, like, she's she just, just like, what a pair we make. Ha <laughs> <yeah, laughs> ha, see you later. And, and she's, she spares <laughs> him because like she's already defeated him. And it's just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And, so, and, and this was meant to be the last Mad Max movie. So I'll see you in the well. sequel. It, it was for a long time. Yeah, it was. Yeah. All right. Final thoughts on Thunderdome, Vader. Um, I feel like we've only gotten halfway through the movie. <laughs> Did oh. you want to keep oh. talking about it? <laughs> what? What do you want? To, what else do you want to talk well, about? There's the big chase scene at the end. It was shit. <laughs> well, it was. That's, that's oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I give it a three. It was nothing compared to to the Road Warrior. All right. Chase scenes. Right. Did you like it? Are you yucking his yum right now? Absolutely. What did you like about it? It was just as good as almost as the the second scene, except they were chasing a train. Can you guys hang on a second while I construct a Thunderdome to throw you two in? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I fuck you up so hard. Oh, don't even, dude. <laughs> He's going to make you his hand puppet. <laughs> Take about 30 seconds. <laughs> I can't, you both dude, have to wear no, assless chaps. Like, Here are the rules. I'm Tina Turner. I make the rules. I feel like we, uh, <laughs> we get to the kids scene. The kids suck, and that's the end of the movie. What's your score? Uh, three. My score is a three. 
after the chase scene and they all take off and go to never, never land in the plane. So, okay. What'd you think of the train? That uh, was kind of dumb. Yeah. Yeah. See, why are so, you so upset with me? I'm not upset. Day. I'm not upset with anybody. We're okay. good. He's, he's having a stroke. Jude. He's, he's had a lot of different emotions today. <laughs> I think he's rebooting and like his program is going through all of the different settings. Okay. You good? Yeah. All right, cool. Jude, final thoughts, give it a rating. This is the only movie that I had any kind of knowledge of. So I thought that the whole movie was going to be about the Thunderdome. Mm. It wasn't. It's very weird. It is. Um, and and ugh, God, I didn't hate it, but I was also like, this movie doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's like two different movies. So I will never watch it again. I am not upset that I had never watched it before. Um, so that being said, like, I don't, I don't hate it, but also it's not very good. And so I guess I'm going to give it a two and a half, um, nonsensical train rides out of five. Okay. Final thoughts. Get it ready. So, um, I have a little bit of nostalgia for this movie, but I think Vader's pretty spot on where he basically says like, you know, the first first third of this movie, which takes place in border town is good. Yeah. You know, the Thunderdome stuff is good. And then like the, the final kind of chase at the end is good. All the stuff with, uh, the kids and the, you know, like lost boys type, yeah, it's type just thing. Weird. It's weird. Like, it, it, it derails the movie. Like, like it slows down to a crawl at uh -huh. that point. Um, and, uh, it takes a while to get back going again. And when it does get going again, it's kind of like a rehash of the end of the second movie. Uh, like, I feel like the, the train chase versus like the tanker chase, it's basically the exact same mm -hmm. thing. And, uh, the, the characters at the end, you, you know, the villains aren't as iconic as they were in the road warrior. So to me, like the movie really ends as soon as like Max gets banished into the gulag. Um, and, uh, up to that point, I'm having a really good time with the movie. And then afterwards it's kind of like, eh. Um, so, uh, I have to, uh, basically agree with, um, everyone else that this is, you know, a lesser rating um and i'm gonna go with like i guess two thunderdomes out of five <laughs> i like it this is a one-star crab fest I, really yeah i didn't like any of it i i didn't i didn't like uh mad max showing up at barter town i didn't care about barter town i'm like get back on the road and go do some cool ass shit that's what i wanted to see like i could see him like okay we're in thunderdome he fights master blaster and then he like escapes and runs away and gets back in his car. And then Tina Turner's mad at him for some reason. So they chase after like, I mean, that would have been, that would have been a good movie, that, but that never happened. Yeah. And it was just like, they spent way too much time in barter town. Uh, Thunderdome had some potential, but I just thought it was done really, really strange and goofy. And I, I did not like the reveal of, uh, of what, blaster is it? Yeah, Blaster, the big dude. Yeah, I didn't like that reveal. I thought it was cringy and weird, and I was like, mm, I "Don't, don't do that." Okay. Um, so yeah, I don't, uh, I don't recommend this movie. Like, watch the first two, and Thunderdome doesn't exist. Tina Turner's terrible and cringy. Her outfit is ridiculous. Her yeah. hair is ridiculous. I, I, I'm not like okay. You're you crazy. Look, you look at like she's perfectly fits the role. Oh, she good. Yes, she's eighty years old here. <laughs> Goddamn, yeah. I'm a, not kidding. That's a lot of Photoshop. Tina Turner in 2020 <laughs> at 80 years old looks like J Lo. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
like if you look at the other two villains, you know the biker gang from the first movie. For, like, I don't, so, so don't mess with those chaps and and shoulder pads are too much. But Tina Turner having some shoulder pads with chainmail on it's too weird for you. No, I just I wasn't like I didn't see her as a bad guy in this movie. It was just a weird choice, especially compared to the other two guys we got in the first I two know, movies. I thought, I thought she was okay. The biker gang was creepy and scary. Like you don't mess with those guys; they're gonna freaking kill you. The second one, like yeah, the outfits were super strange, but those dudes would have straight up killed you. Like I, I, Tina Turner was not intimidating to me in her freaking little high castle with her chainmail. I was just like, okay, this is just dumb. Sorry, I just didn't like huh? it, man. I, I'm gonna get a bunch of hate in the comments. <laughs> I know I'm gonna get a bunch of hate in the comments, but this movie is a one star craft fest. This thing sucks. I didn't like any of it. Well, you're wrong. But okay, that's all, right. all right, that's fair. Fine, whatever. We're all entitled <laughs> to our opinion. <laughs> Did you have a favorite moment? What's your favorite moment? Um, probably the Thunderdome stuff. Yeah. And when they're actually is that everybody? in the Thunderdome. Yeah. The Do fight's you, cool until they get to the cringy part, I guess. Cause well, I, it's just me. <laughs> I'm not, if you don't, if you didn't find it cringy, it that's fine. It not me at all. Okay, fine. That's fine. Uh, did you, do you have a favorite moment in this movie? Is it the Thunderdome? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, I liked like the, like Vader, like I liked the first part. Um, and up until he gets gulagged. I even liked that part, and and, it, and it, I felt like it was clear, like the helicopter friend was the one that sent the monkey to give him the water to keep him alive because he felt bad. I was interested in that, and then it all just kind of like dissipated, and then we were like focusing on these kids, which which was weird. Mm-hmm. The whole movie, I I enjoyed except for everything with the kids. It didn't make sense. I'm gonna get a chalkboard that says "kids suck," and every time we watch a movie that has kids in it, that sucks. I'm just put another mark behind me. That's gonna be my background. I like that. (laughs) I have a huge chalkboard in the garage. Perfect. (laughs) Did that monkey die like nine times in this movie? I I I forgot that there was a monkey in this movie. (laughs) I feel like the monkey should should have died like five or six times, probably, and then it just kept showing back up. Yeah. Didn't it? Wasn't there like a prank? Never mind. I don't know. Katie, did you have a favorite moment? The Thunderdome. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. like this whole movie is just based around the Thunderdome. Yeah. And that's the only thing anyone actually remembers from this film. So. <laughs> yeah. Accurate. That's what the film is named. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. That's it for the Mad Max trilogy. Thank you guys for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Let us know what you think. What's your favorite Mad Max movie? Comment uh, below. And if you're not already, hit the subscribe button. And don't forget, we are available on audio only. So if you go to Spotify or Apple iTunes, you can listen to this podcast in audio version if you don't want to have to watch the video or if you're doing it on while you're driving or something. Uh, so check out our other platforms. We yeah, all drive safe and drive safe. Yeah, we are out there and uh, we're on all the audio platforms. So check it out. And uh, Vader, where can they find you on the socials? Uh, you can find me at Matt Vader 74 on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Everywhere else, I think. And uh, here on Saturday mornings as we talk about uh, Star Trek or whatever the show of the week is that we're talking about. OK, cool. Jude. Uh, you can find me at I am Jude Juju on Instagram and on TikTok. And we're also available on Discord. If you want to download the Discord app, we're always in there. We're chatting daily about movies. There's a bunch of different servers that we have like different topics we're talking about. We also do a trivia once a month for our club members through Discord at saltynerddiscord.com. Nice. Matthew Kadish. You can find me at Matthew Kadish, K-A-D-I-S-H on Twitter. Kadishbooks.com takes you to my Amazon page. And if you go to saltynerd.com forward slash rate, R-A-T-E, um, that'll help uh, you to find our page on Apple Podcasts where you can leave us a five-star rating. 
We're trying to get 200 five-star ratings so we can be officially accredited as movie reviewers on Rotten Tomatoes. So if you can uh, hop on over there or have a friend who has an Apple device, hop on over there and give us five stars. You don't have to leave us a review, just a rating will work out. Um, we'd really appreciate it and help support the show. All right, everybody, have a great day. We'll catch you guys next week. And uh, as always, stay salty, my friends. Wicked, wicked fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, yes. real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit SixFlags.com Coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99. Yeah.